one. Here we go. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the December 11th edition of Rubber Guard Radio, episode number 91 for those of you trolls out there that are keeping track. Uh, I'll tell you, it was kind of hard to hold the phone, smoke a cigarette, and drink a beer while listening to that. But um, <clears throat> I'll tell you that this episode of Rubber Guard Radio, uh, we're, are, we have a new sponsor just for this show. Um, that sponsor is Joey Styles Balls. He showed over this past week that he has the largest set of nuts that I've ever heard of someone having. Uh, completely amazing. So, Joey, my hat's off to you. I will uh, toast my stinky KZ Weiser right here to you, brother. I lift my beer. And also our other sponsors would be WrestleWarehouse.com, uh, all kinds of new stuff, uh, Lucha Masks, uh, T-shirts, DVDs, um, shoot interviews, Mike Modest and Balor Brothers, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, be cool like Buddy Wayne and go in order from from uh, Wrestle Warehouse. Also, FogCityWrestling.com. Fog City has a show this Saturday, 2 p.m. Uh, DNA Lounge in San Francisco. You get information at FogCityWrestling.com. Raven is in one of the main events in a handicap match, two-on-one. Uh, it should be good. Uh, main event, a pick-your-poison match, which is basically you know spin the wheel, make the deal kind of gimmick with Dylan Drake and San Diego's Baby Slim. Uh, it should be fun. And also, I'd also like to plug my employer in. Also a sponsor, dutycalls.com. Um, when nature calls, we answer. So if you have a pet, check out that website. And uh, pretty good stuff there. Uh, I have on the line IWC, Internet Wrestling Community, legendary journalist and writer. And um, I tried to get Sandman on, but instead I'll just have to settle for some other hack. What's going on, Mr. Bergen? 
Not too much, man. I'm in a, a crazy week where my mind's getting blown every day. I, I had the, the Joey Styles story earlier in the week. I was listening to a previous version of Rubber Guard Radio this morning, and I, you, you asked, uh, hello, Skype caller, and it was Dave Meltzer. And I just I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that Dave Meltzer uh, uses Skype. It just, it's just crazy. And now, just literally 30 seconds ago, uh, Duty Calls is a real website <laughs> that specializes yeah, in like, imagine calls. picking up shit. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. Amazing. I, I do I, it. I I do it for a living, and I make rather good money. Amazing! I had I just I never heard yeah. of it until right now. I I drive around in a pickup truck for for eight hours a day, listening to all the uh, shoot interviews and radio shows that I can, you know, in between stopping at houses and going in people's backyards and picking up their dog shit. Well, you know, I mean, hey, I make and I make good money. So I, I mean, no it's doubt. not like yeah, it's this a shitty is- job, but yeah. So, just you know, I, I and and I'm not I'm not ashamed of it either. Okay. You know, it's cool. But my when I come home though, my dog freaks out. You know, he's like, "What the fuck, dude? You smell like 15 other dogs." He's confused. Oh, they must go crazy. Yeah, I got a couple dogs, and they know whenever I'm in another dog. Uh, I make some deliveries in my job as well sometimes during the days, and I'll run into other dogs, and uh, they go crazy. They're they're pretty smart puppies. They're <laughs> smart puppies, huh? Jeez. Oh boy. Um, just to uh, let the people know that uh, next week, the 18th, will be a regular scheduled show at 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. And on Monday, December 22nd, at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, we will be doing our annual two-hour Christmas extravaganza. Um, we have so far booked for that for that show, we have the Heartthrobs or the Heartbreakers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Antonio Thomas and uh, Romeo Roselli. They'll both be making appearances. Um, and that's about all that I'm going to mention now. Uh, we have some special surprises in store. Uh, you know, we'll see what will happen. And uh, just to let you guys know, we will be giving away uh, gifts, Christmas gifts, courtesy of our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. So we will be giving out free swag. Speaking of Christmas, are you involved in the Secret Santa on the F4W board uh, that Peter H. is running? I get, there's no way, because I'm a heel on that board, and someone's going to send me some dog shit or something. So, Especially now. Just, just now another day out. at the office for you, though. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I, I was hoping that Adam Pierce would be involved, but that's not who's, uh, whose name I got. <laughs> I was going to send Adam a calendar with uh, 2009 circled in it so he knew what year it was and could stop doing this count-out and DQ shit that, he, that apparently they feel ROH needed. Well, you know, if by some chance you want to call back in the second hour to speak to Adam, if you ask that, I have to hang up on you. <laughs> okay. Um, just, just well, to, quote, to quote Dave Meltzer, that's not going to happen, but we'll, we can that's not... <laughs> Well, see, the, the thing is, brother, um, when Adam comes on the show, uh, he'll be open about anything except for ROH. He kayfabes me on ROH. And that's that's just, why I'm sending you know, the him the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- you know, there's nothing wrong with kayfabe uh, on a on a, a limited level. I mean, I on an, inter- on an internet wrestling radio show appealing only to the the smart marks, as, as what they say, or the whatever the most hardcore fans is a better term, I guess. I should well, say. The the thing is, Derek, I I wish they would go back to the heel and babyface dressing rooms. Okay, that way these faggots can't talk about what they're going to do in the ring. Get a finish and go work. A work. Go out and work. As opposed to let's do a stunt show. 
see what I'm oh, saying? You know, I, I mean, I, I know in some way it's apples and oranges, but there's something to say for a for an improv show, let's say a comedy improv show, and for a well-written movie. You know, I, I think a well-written thing has much more rewarding down the line. But there is something to say for for uh, uh, people who improvise. The uh, the best in show movies. Uh, I mean, there's some serious funny stuff out there. But I think good writers and and people who can put matches together as well. I think you know, I'm not saying move by move the old you know DDP Randy Savage thing, even though Randy Savage and, and Ricky Steamboat certainly had a classic once. I, I think there's there's benefits to both. To you know, having a game plan as well as being able to go on the fly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the guy should be able to go on the fly. At least know how to do it. Because if something happens out there, or something happens in the back where you need to put in another 10 minutes, you know, the majority of the guys on TV now will be lost. They will be lost. And I mean, uh, maybe I need to send you a calendar, Casey. In 2009, how many times has that happened? And you can't just go on a pay-per-view or a television show and not have it managed down to the final second. You know, I mean, it's just stupid because you'll lose commercial money, your your USA Network, your Spike Network. They can't just – your short 10 minutes, what are you going to do? You know, it just doesn't work like that in uh, in today's wrestling society. It's not 1972 anymore where you're at the Cow Palace. <laughs> well, we confirmed, hey, thanks to Jesse, that, that Freddie Blassie did sharpen his fangs. That's another thing I learned today. There it is. There you go. That was a yep. shoot, brother. Yep. You know, back then. That's back gotta then, hurt, you know, dude. Really had to li- <laughs> yeah. You really had to live the gimmick, though, back then. I guess. Oh, you know, I mean, I really my, my teeth chipped a little bit. It stung like hell. I can't imagine putting a file to him. Wow. You know, he was hardcore, man. He was hardcore yep. before hardcore was. That's true. You know, and, and as uh, Ric Flair said in his shoot interview, fuck, 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 I'm not Freddie Blassie. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> well, that's it. That seems to be the hot topic of discussion. Um, the four, I'm sorry, Rob, I love you, brother, but the High Spots four-disc uh, <laughs> shoot interview with Ric Flair, uh, amazing. Amazing. Yes. They, they deserve, uh, in, in the DVD of the Year award, uh, they're certainly going to place, you know, um, they're going to, they have to be number one and number two. It's going to be hard to beat them from everything, from the packaging to, uh, to the all-around presentation. They just hit a, a complete home run. And I was just, I'm amazed because, I mean, no offense to them, but High Spot's record on shoots and stuff is in spotty at best. And uh, they came through it in ways I could never imagine. And, and they're doing stuff like this recent uh, show this weekend with Reed and David Flair with, and the Hulk Hogan appearance. And it's all tied together with this shoot deal. And it's just, uh, on an indie level, this is as, as big as it gets. And uh, I'm amazed. Mm. You know, and the the thing is, though, you you got to give it to Mike. You know, he's he's get, trying to get his money back. Yeah, you know, I don't yep. blame him for that. And knowing the way that Mike thinks, it's break even, fuck profit, break even, because he had the honor, and it was an honor to sit down and let Flair just go. Um, I would have had, I would have done it like they did uh, last call, uh, with uh, Raven and Sandman. I would have had Flair in the bar. <laughs> and his, what, what disc would his clothes come off? One. Okay. <laughs> On the menu. <laughs> I, I think that even Keith Lipinski himself, the host of, of Big Vision's Last Call, would say that maybe there were some flaws in their in their play and it, it didn't go as well as uh, it, it should have ex- executed because that was a, a five star idea. I thought the uh, the production values on that DVD, you know, blow away anything, including the high spot shoot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just it veered off into the worst of the Iron Sheik uh, DVDs with Eric Sims' involvement. And uh, it's a, it's a oh, shame yeah. because I, 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 can, I can talk to Keith Lipinski and the people involved at Big Vision 
and they had such great plans going into it. it. It's just a shame that Raven and Sandman just completely fucked it all up. Well, you know, the I I watch it and and I'm looking at New Jack and I'm looking at Mustafa and I'm thinking, you know, that story that they said uh, uh, the Sandman said, you know, uh, Polly tells him you go find New Jack and get some coke in you. I was thinking, yeah. you know, we needed Polly there to tell Mustafa, hey, go find New Jack, get some coke in you. That guy was sleeping. Yeah, they, yeah, Mustafa definitely needed some sort of uh, amphetamine to get him going. And that what, 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 what just a crazy scene where, where Sandman yelling at his girlfriend on his cell phone, go, New Jack's going off, Raven's telling some fucking story about whatever. And it's just like, what a three-ring circus. And I felt so bad for, for Keith, who uh, is, is like you. He's just a, a total wrestling historian. And I uh, certainly wanted to get into some deep issues. And instead, it was just uh, the Barker for a carnival. Just I'm, I'm out of its – hard to describe for anyone who hasn't seen there it. There you go. Now, for uh, those those that are listening, we will be taking calls for the entire two-hour show tonight. Uh, area code 347-215-7946. You want to call in and bullshit? Call in. Um, also, for those listening live, uh, there is a chat room. Uh, I am officially an affiliate of the podcast, so you can get that at everybodylovesterry.com. There's a live chat going on right now, so hop on in and say hi and you know we'll do uh, we'll do that chat thing. Um, they got some cool they got some cool people over there. You got Julio Scissors, you got Rick and Arab. I mean, there's some decent guys over there at the uh, the podcast. That's right. Well, it's something different. Yeah. You know, it's it's different than uh, kayfabe for dummies. Uh, it's different than us. Thank and, God. Yeah. Wait, we can only have one M Rob. <laughs> But I, I actually think I have to track back through the Urban Dictionary. I have to think the word douchebag was invented when the first person ran into M. Rob in the real world. It had to have sprouted <laughs> from that from that single moment. Well, my I, I found my long lost tag team partner, Mr. Alex Saint. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on? Holy shit, you're alive! Yeah, I know it's crazy. Man. Um, so, uh, how, what are we talking how, about, guys? Because, I mean, there's only I, one I got to ask you. I got to yeah. ask you a question, Alex. How is yeah. damn near married life? <laughs> oh, it, it, it has its perks. It's fun. Uh, man. Oh, just wait. It'll yeah, all go it, away when you get married. It's for my lack of wrestling, man. <laughs> How's the knee, brother? Oh, man, it's, it's, it is what it is, man. It's, it'll be all right. Okay. Man, there's only one thing I want to talk about. That, how about that one four dome show? Oh, dude, I'm ready to book my fucking flight right now. I was hoping okay. Pierce was on because I wanted to ask because I thought NWA had involvement with New Japan. I thought I remember reading that, and if they wanted to get involved on a show, I mean, I don't know what this mm. I don't know what this show means, but this show was stats. Mm-hmm. The Machine Guns match is going to steal the show. I guarantee what? you. Yeah, but like uh, Meltzer said in the Observer, I mean, it, it's in the dome, and I mean, because I mean, it's gonna be a good match. But then, man, I'm just looking up and down the card, and I mean, you just have over guys in a lot of different matches. I mean, they're all, I mean, those guys, Team No Limit and the Machine Guns, they're following Choshu, Chono, Angle, Nash against Bernard, Azuka, Ishi, and Anderson. I mean, dude, yeah, Nagata, dome show Nagata is, and Tanaka. Nagata Again, and Tanaka could yeah. headline that show. It could, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, because headlining the show is my boy Tanahashi get the belt back. <laughs> oh, you, do you think he's going to finally put Mudo in his grave? 
Oh, of course. Yeah, this is what they've been building to since Muda won the belt, yeah. is to give the belt back to Tanahashi after he did the job for Crappy Nakamura last year. Speaking of, speaking of Crappy Nakamura, did they hook him up this year by giving him uh, Sugiyara and Masawa? That'll, that'll be, I'd say that'll be fun. But I, I still don't like Nakamura. I still think he's garbage. That's right. That's right. I would want to see that Makabe and Yano against Tenzan and Kojima. I would like to see that as just a straight tag. But uh, mm-hmm. I can see why they put the Dudleys in there. But I'd rather have just seen that match, you know, one-on-one, New Japan against uh, the New Japan-All Japan combination. Because, I mean, Tenzan and Kojima, you know, they're, uh, you know, it's, it's cool where they tag up because they're in different companies now. So, yeah, Nagata, Tanaka, t- again, uh, this is their third match, I think. And, yeah, that's, that's and on 1-4. And Nagata with his past, uh, past two 1-4 performances last year against, Angle, and then the year before that against uh, Minoru Suzuki. So, but Nagata is always great. I mean, well, the first the first two matches Alex were blow away. I mean, they're both match of the year candidates. I mean, they were just awesome. Balls to the wall, just fucking bam. Uh, Tanaka's Tanaka's the shit. That's all I gotta say is Tanaka's the man. You know, he's more than that pudgy little bastard he was in ECW. He's really, really good. <clears throat> so. uh Give me a finish for the main event, Alex. Oh, oh man, Tanahashi with a. It doesn't even. I don't. I don't know. He could just just Tanahashi with the belt. It's gonna be a great moment because Tanahashi with <laughs> the belt and all the fireworks are going off, and then they hopefully they turn around and sign Tanahashi Angle, and that would be that would just be great. But I don't know if that's happened because that's that's what I wanted to see last year. But I knew I knew Nakamura was gonna win the belt, but. <laughs> and this, this, this is this is I love this I love New Japan style of booking too because you always know where it's going to end up and then you get excited when it ends up ending up the way you thought it was going to end up you know it's not about you know I don't know it's not about you know that's the way booking should be. I mean obviously booking should surprise you but I mean I like it when it builds up to where you know it's going to go and then finally when you get the payoff you know you want pay, you want to see the payoff and when they end up giving you the payoff then I mean it just makes everything right in the world you know and then you continue. But yeah, I'm excited to see Tanahashi get the belt. So, I mean, they've been building it, you know, since since he left. So mm-hmm. now, you know, since TNA has the the working agreement with New Japan, they, I think they could bring Tanahashi back here. Okay, I know they used him like a fucking job boy last last excursion. They bring him back. They can build for him an angle, and they can do you know a you know like a WCW and New Japan did in '91 with the Starcade in, in Tokyo and then the return pay-per-view here. I think it could work with those two. Because Tanahashi can go. I, I, would, I would hate to I'd hate to see that match at the Impact Zone. I'd hate to hear all the fans say, this is awesome, this is awesome. I mean, let, let the guys no, no, no. do it Philly. in Japan. Do it in Philly. Uh, I'd just say do the match in Japan. I mean, why not? I mean, it's it, it's the proper <laughs> setting, in my opinion, is under that, in, in that Japanese setting and they would just or you yeah, can be. you can even you, you can even do the build up on the TV here with with them doing their thing here and then they do a global impact special I was able to lost the loser leaves town match to Rhino and just did a year of <laughs> new Japan. I mean you could have angle Tanaka Ang, angle Otani angle Nagata again <laughs> oh okay. you can just do angle matches oh my goodness angle Liger shit Angle Liger, Angle Katamoto. I mean, the list goes on and on. I wonder what I wonder what Mystico, what kind of 
I wonder what they're going to think of Mystico over there. They brought him a Verno so he can look good. Mm-hmm. And he'll be wearing the, the baby face white, so yeah. it's going to be different. You know, he's been leaning towards a heel turn since being booed, since coming back. So we'll see what happens there. It's going to, it's going to be a good – that sick man's going to be fun, too. Uh, that's yeah, but I mean, do the fans want to see Mystico as a, as a heel, though? I mean, it seems like the, the fans <clears throat> are still going to CMLL shows. I mean, they've been hurting the past couple months. Yeah, but they're doing the, the, the John Cena thing. They're booing the fuck out of him, but they're still buying his merch. Yeah, well, the the ones that are left, AAA, man, AAA, I've not had access to that footage lately, but, I mean, it seems like they've been doing a Conan or whoever's, you know, bringing in talent for that company is really starting to bring in some interesting talent. Cause, I mean, AAA, I remember as of up to a couple of years ago, it was just, the guys were just horrible. But now, I mean, it's been a good mixture of, you know, big names, you know, who may not be the best technical wrestler, but then they got a good mix on the undercard of a lot of just really good wrestlers, you know, with Kozlov and Romero coming over, and then uh, Evans and Hart, and I really like what Triple A's do. It seems like they're setting themselves up real good for the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mr. Bergen. Yeah. You awake there, brother? I feel like I'm going to scream. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Uh are we done with the new talk yet? <laughs> well, Alex. Yes. Have you sat have you sat through the entire Ric Flair shoot? Oh god, I'm on I think I fell asleep during half of this three last night. I gotta go back through this three again and make sure I didn't miss everything. I, I know I watched this one and two and I'm on four. Wow. Um Wow, it could yeah. be it it's 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 definitely for the hardcore history buff wrestling fan because i mean he just flair just throws out turn you know names and dates and locations and i mean <laughs> it could, i could see how it could be a little dry you know if you're you know a flair fan from 2005 and on or whatever you know but i mean wow i mean this is you know a piece of because the shooter interview john is so you know relatively new or whatever and then Guys from that era, you know, weren't particular about, you know, doing this kind of interview, you know. I mean, a lot more of them have come out recently, but, I mean, it's flair, you know. I mean, you never – there's not a shoot interview available with Jack Briscoe or Harley Race or, you know. Not like true. Flair was the last NWA champion, and this is no, the only – No, 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 no. There's what? a Jack Briscoe shootout there where he lets loose. Harley yeah, Race will go to. He's rolling but... over in his grave right now. Who's <laughs> <laughs> rolling over in his grave? Mark Nolte, I think you're no-selling his entire collection of shooting DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the wrestling classics, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Lincoln okay, Walker's yeah. calling in right now to complain, I think. Actually, <laughs> no, no, it's not Mark Nolte. No, no, no I, I, I don't want to talk to that Mark. But anyway. <clears throat> okay. Wow, so I, was a, I was completely unaware of this. Wow, but this is the first shoot that's... Because, I mean, High Spots is a pretty mainstream retailer. So, I mean. Mm-hmm. High Spots did one with, with Harley. Did they do one with Harley? Well, shit, man. I'm just full of shit, I guess. But it's Flair, you know. I mean, Flair was the champion when I was born and, you know, throughout half of my life, you know. And so, I mean, this is interesting to me. Because, I mean, Harley could probably tell stories that I wouldn't, you know, even worse than Flair that, I, you know, I would have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. But it's definitely, definitely now, interesting. Now we're we're gonna go around. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you first, Derek. 
Um, how do you think Mike did interviewing Rick? Yeah, he, he was fine. I, I expected the worst when he started off being, you know, very overly complimentary, almost like he was going to ask for his autograph, you know, any second. And it, it settled much more into a, a good interplay between the two. And I was, I was really surprised at how much, uh, just like Mr. Saint uh, was talking about, corrected him. Like, I mean, this guy was a big partier all night long. How does he remember such these uh, intimate details of, of times and places? And I was really amazed by that. So I thought that uh, Mike did a fantastic job overall in the course of four discs. The funniest part for me was Flair went on and on about the image of Flair. Like, I'm Ric Flair. Richard Flair draws no money. You know, i got to keep up the Ric Flair image. While I'm sitting here, I'm looking at him in a red shirt with a big dip in his mouth. And so, I, I, are I you looking in a mirror, brother? <laughs> What's that? It's like looking in a mirror, isn't it? Oh man, I'm dipping, man. What? Oh, that's right. You got a girl. That's right. Never I mind. I quit Vegas. I quit Maybe. Anyways, yeah. So Flair's sitting here in a red shirt, dipping. And I'm just like, wow. You know, this is this is Rick Flair. But I mean, yeah. Just like Derek Bergen was saying, you know, for Flair, I mean, he he admits it. You know, he would wrestle, go out party all night, wake up, you know, do an hour on the treadmill, then he was off wrestling. I mean. Because uh, Mike will say, you know, a name like, do you remember wrestling Ted DiBiase? And he's like, what time? In Omaha or in Louisiana? And I'm just like, wow, you know. <laughs> it's, that's amazing to me. That Flair, you know, wrestled how many, God knows how many matches. And then he can remember, you know, relative dates and he can remember locations. Not to mention all the drinking that he's done. Oh, wow. You know? And that's not, not including gimmicks. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, I've partied with Flair myself. And that amazing. Okay, I'm half his age, and he damn near drank me under the table, and uh, it was just a uh, amazing time. But uh, now, uh, what other uh, shoot interviews have you seen recently, Mr. Bergen? Uh, Don Marie. Yeah. You know, I can't. I actually haven't been watching too many shoots. So I've done a lot of doc, more of uh, documentaries and things like that lately. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alex. How about yourself? Uh, oh, what other ones? What other ones did you get? Uh, Flair, and um, I got the. I just got in the last call with Raven and Sam, man. I haven't had an opportunity to watch that. I'm not. I'm not rushing into it because I talked to Keith like the day after he filmed it, and he just wasn't really excited mm-hmm. about it. So I wasn't. I'm not in a hurry necessarily to watch that one. Yeah, Keith okay. Bill isn't ready to talk about it. <laughs> you know what I did? I rewatched Ultimate Insiders Volume One with uh, hosted by Wade Keller and uh, with Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara. I just did rewatch that, and I thought it was a fantastic set. Mm-mm. No, thank you. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't listen yeah, to those jackets. We, we haven't seen a pole match. Oh, well, actually, I was going to say we haven't seen a pole match lately in TNA, but then they did the Feast of Fire match with the pole match. Well, that's kind of different. You know, that's not your typical pole match. You How's know, that different? Briefcase is on a pole. I happen to like that one. I happen to you like, like the, the idea for that. match. Explain why you like the pizza fired match. Well, I mean, it's something different. It's really something different. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the concept. It's just uh, I don't think that, that they should have people tune into the TV to uh, check it out. I think they should do it on the next pay-per-view. What, what do you like about the concept, kid Tommy? Yeah, I'm curious about this, too, because I think this is a horrible concept. Mm. Well, I think that I, I like the Battle Royal rules 
then you guys can climb up the poles. I mean, it, it's the ultimate crapshoot. And you can get fired. There you go. <laughs> and you can win a title shot, which you get anyway on any other week of Impact. It's not, it's not like the WWE, where like a Brian Kendrick or, say, Paul London, when he worked there, they're never going to get a title shot. And, uh, okay, hold on. Wow, I'm going to mute Mr. Bergen. <laughs> okay, you guys are right. I Why would you want to shine the TNA title? What's that, what's that do for you? Why would I even work for TNA? <laughs> I'm, I, I, well, that, that's, that's a different point, but I'm saying, I mean, if you become well, TNA's X Division champion, what's, what's, that even, what's that even mean? You carry around that neat-looking belt with the X on it. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to risk your job to carry around the belt. Mm, no. I, no. 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 I, no. I couldn't do it. I, I would never work for that company. Um, if any company, it would well, be shit. the NWA. I mean, that's just me. Well, the, the guys are, I mean, I mean, realistically, I mean, the guys are getting, you know, they're, they're getting paid. I mean, I'm, I don't understand the, the con- I mean, inside the world of pro wrestling, why would you risk your, your job? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the world champion, you know, the world champion, you know, he's supposed to, you know, make all this money. And, I mean, just going back to Flair, I mean, because Flair is, you know, for my era, at least, you know, the prototypical world champion, you know. And then uh, <laughs> at least WWE guys, I mean, they're, I mean, they're the champion of WWE. So for the most part, you know, they're come across as world champions. You know, in Ring of Honor, I mean, they've always done a good job of establishing their champion. And the TNA... I can't even. It's Sting, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think where TNA drops the ball on this is that like WWE has a similar in some way, but in the bank. But you establish that that means something. That the, that whoever wins that is going to use it as an opportune time and has a chance to do something big. Whereas I doubt any of us can remember any of the three championship matches they had based on last year's Feast of Fired. You know, when did Scott Steiner use his? When did Petey Williams use his? And I don't even know who won the other the tag team shot. You know, there's there's nothing they've done to to make these cases seem like a big deal because on every week of Impact there's some sort of fucking stupid type of you know that there's there's no stakes. But when when CM Punk won or uh, when Edge won the Money in the Bank, when CM Punk, you know, got got it, you know, you you finally you feel that at least something down the line there's going to be a big moment. They may not win it, but there's an opportunity to see something historic. And I don't think any of us expect a, a big match with Homicide to mean anything soon. If he even keeps the case, knowing TNA, he'll lose it in some in the next uh, couple of weeks on Impact. Now, I remember when Punk won the briefcase, everyone was saying about how they were dropping the ball with Punk, about how they weren't pushing him. And then in the end, you know, I mean, it was a big moment when he ended up winning that world title. Yes, it was. Yeah, they, dro- they dropped the ball in the ensuing three months when they booked him to be the pussy world champion. <laughs> pussy world champion. <laughs> Fuck. Are are you that douchebag that's uh, the sheet writer douchebag that's being talked about in that uh, David Biggs interview? I might I might be one of them. I, don't, I actually had a good conversation with CM Punk a couple times. He was he was down here for a wrestle reunion in Tampa, and I met him at a Chicago Ring of Honor show. And he's uh, he always seems like a decent dude, but you can also you know I I bet he's got a little Alex Shelley in him. I bet to a lot of people he just comes across as the most unlikable person on earth. Yeah, I have to agree. All right, Alex, plug the MySpace and uh, that that uh, company you work for. Oh, uh, NewWayProWrestling.com. And uh, if 
you want my MySpace, just figure it out, I guess. Uh, talk to you guys later. All right, brother. Take care. All right, that was my co-host, Mr. Alex Sane. He decided to join us. Was uh, that New Wave N E W or N U Wave? N E W. Okay, gotcha. New Wave Pro Wrestling. So uh, is he in a relationship? Did I did I did I uh, I kind of infer that from your conversation? Yes. Um, fuck it. We shoot here. Um, he was my co-host. Um, and he ended up getting a girlfriend, and then he stopped being my co-host. Dude, there, there's nothing that takes away your wrestling enjoyment more than getting a girlfriend. I mean, right now, I'm doing this interview from my car outside my house because my girlfriend would rip my head off if I did another audio show. So here, here I am sitting in a fucking car, right? It's like Hitler's fucking last days in a bunker trying not to get caught, and, uh, you know, hopefully she doesn't come out and, uh, with her little stopwatch telling me it's been long enough, so... Whatever people do out there, any of our listeners, never get into a serious relationship. Otherwise, you can kiss your fun, your wrestling goodbye forever. So, Katrina, are are you in a serious relationship? Uh, something like that. With oh, oh okay, right hand or left? <laughs> it's neither of those. <laughs> oh, hey, doing it Texas style. What's one of the one of the the other person's hands has a ring on it. Oh, okay. Well, oh, that could hurt. And I didn't give it to him. <laughs> is it a Super Bowl ring? Is this a male or female? This is a female, asshole. <laughs> Just kidding, Chris. <laughs> oh, That's why I only listen to the to the updates you do because Sean Radican is funnier. <laughs> You're not the only one. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking well, with you. Now... Now, now we have uh, what uh, we could consider the bisexuals of the show, um, Mr. Derek Bergen and uh, Katrere, since you both are figure four and uh, Torch subscribers. Um, let's go. Let's do it. Mr. Bergen, I hear you have something to get off of your chest as far as the uh, trolls are concerned. Talk to me. Oh, they suck. <laughs> Without too much, I mean... What are you going to say? I was just mesmerized today. Cause I'm, I'm confused at how a guy like Dan exists. Because he seems to be part mod, part halfway decent human being, and then he's like part super troll, and I just I just don't get that because because most people are either complete douchebags like you know, say a Pegasus kid or whatever, or they're you know normal posters like like Dave or or, or whoever or Cutcher. And uh, so wh- how does Dan exist in a world? Because he seems to be trapped between two uh, two weird personas. Mick Foley. <laughs> it could be it could be Mick Foley. <laughs> Mick Foley is aboard. Here's a shoot question. Who do you think watches or listens to more audio, you, uh, Chris, or me? Me. Really? Okay. If, if yeah. you can do it in your job, yeah. you, you definitely have an advantage over me. Well, I don't I, know about I, that. I drive, I drive at least five and a half hours a day, and in my truck I have audio CDs going constant. So, and they're, they're new things. They're radio shows. There's you know, other stuff, audio books even. So I mean I'm constantly listening to new things. So I'm gonna have to take the cake on that one. Unless I drive four can. hours a day. <laughs> no, I seriously I do. No, I, I believe you. And you listen to pwtorch.com audio, which which Kid Zombie doesn't. So you kind of have the uh, notch in my true, book, right? But anyway, <laughs> including true, the, uh, the Sean Radican audio showcase available at pwtorch.com featuring Derek Bergen. 
And I have to listen to all these at home just so I can make all these compilations I got out. Yes, and we all thank you for that. Well, except for the TNA stuff, it's sad that you have to make those. I wish in a perfect world you wouldn't. I don't even listen to them. Other people seem to like them. No. No, really, brother. You know, it's sad. How many volumes are you at? 28? 20, 25 or something like that. I don't know. 25 of the Adrenaline Flush? That's sad. Yeah. I know. If you really think about it. How a company I, like that could be buried that bad? I mean, that's a big fucking shovel. I just I just look at it. I can't imagine it getting any better because I can't imagine the, the Brian and Vineyard reviews, you know, putting them over that much. So I think it's always going to be like this. Mm. And it, it just—it's—it's it's what I don't know what it is. It's just we well, all were talking about that feast or fired. Y'all, y'all were talking about that feast or fired match. I was watching TNA tonight, and like four or five of the guys got shots at the excite on night. Yeah, they were in that match. That's Kid Zombie's favorite match. But Kutcher, what did you think of, of Brian's freakout when when he said, you know, it's my job to watch, you know, Impact and stuff? Do you think that there's a single subscriber to either the Observer or Figure Four Weekly that subscribes only to hear Brian review TNA Impact, you know, because they love no. the show or they don't watch it. You know, I just can't imagine why he thinks that his job depends upon reviewing this show. And if I think if he stopped completely, I doubt there'd even be a tumbleweed uh, weed in the wind. You know, no one would even care. Well, I think I think um, I have heard from people that have signed up for the TNA reviews. Seriously? Yeah, to hear. A t- well, if you're asking my opinion, I think it's to hear him do a freak out, you know, because we all love him going absolutely nuts. I, I know I do. But uh, do you think that they uh, subscribe to hear honest recaps of the show because they want to know what happened or because they're waiting for Brian to completely snap? Probably waiting for him to snap. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the entertaining part. And the TNA fans hate Brian. Gosh. <laughs> can't imagine Not as much as I'll go to but... I go to one of those TNA forums every once in a while just, you know, to fuck around and God hate him and Lance Storm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Is it Lance Storm? He, he's just mad because he can't get a job there. So Lance Storm could show up tomorrow and be the world champion probably. Shit, or at least a good agent. Yeah. That's what they ought to use Al Snow for. Oh. They're, sm- they're not smart enough. And I don't even know if he's, he's, he's even signed with him and he's on the shows or anything. No. From from what I know, it was a one shot, <laughs> one off. He's somebody I'd want in my dressing room, you know, to oh, yeah, work with all the young guys and everything. Mm-hmm. I'd be well, scared he'd ask me a question though, and I wouldn't know the answer, and he'd yell at me. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Do you know what a pop is, Chris? <laughs> God. How many pops are there in a wrestling show? I knew I knew that Eric Sims had watched that DVD because he was in that Jamie Dundee and Iron Sheik when he said, how many pops should be in a wrestling match? So he just watched the Al Snow DVD dipshit. You guys, both need, you guys both need to watch the, the ring roast with the Iron Sheik from KVM Common Series because Eric Sims does a set, and he is the only one on the entire show that just bombs completely, and it's just watching a human being just suffer as the entire crowd it's just like in stunned silence that this guy is, is doing a, a just a completely unfunny joke. I was hoping it would arrive today, but it did not. So that kind of sucked. 
Did you order the same to place that uh, Jeremy Warneck orders his video games from? Is that why they're showing up so late? No. Okay. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> Stop PWT, motherfucker. Pay for that one. <laughs> I, uh, you know, K kayfabe commentators are good guys, man. They're awesome. Sean's a yeah, really they good are. Guy. <clears throat> I'm trying to get Sean on the show, and he's just uh, really, really hectically busy, and it kind of sucks. I tried to get him on before the before the holidays, so that uh, you know he can come on and, and plug his stuff. But that, that's why we have you here, Mister Bergen. What's that I, new I, DVD I, they got coming out with uh, Gabe on there? I read a little something about that. Yeah, ROH revealing ROH's booking secrets. That's what is coming out in January. Uh-huh. Where Gabe uh, Gabe threatens. I mean, uh, I was hoping when they first announced it. I was hoping it'd be kind of like a shoot where Gabe would cover his entire, you know, six-year career in Ring of Honor. Maybe touch upon the Rob Feinstein stuff. Maybe touch upon, you know, what happened when he had to leave and you know, all his big angles, uh, the CZW stuff. But what it looks like to me is that it's just going to be Gabe showing what he had planned to book out, you know, for the next year. That we're not going to see what he had planned for Final Battle, what he had planned in the January, February, and March months. So I think that's what the DVD okay. is going to be. That's fine by me. Did you guys ever see the shoot interview with uh, with is like in one with Gabe and RF and Doug Gentry? Did you ever see that one? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I I thought that was pretty good. As as far as I can tell, that's Gabe's only on the record interview that's worth listening to or watching because you know when he whenever he's on Wrestling Observer Live or he's on the Figure Four Daily, it's literally the worst audio of any human being on earth. You know, it's it's just unfathomably bad, which is is so odd considering he's the understudy of Paul Heyman, who's probably the best interview in wrestling outside of, like, Jim Cornette. So, yeah, but I, you can't I, teach charisma. You cannot teach charisma. That's true. Let, let, let's hope that the stress of Ring of Honor, now that it's off his shoulders, that maybe uh, we'll see a new Gabe in this, this DVD by KTV Commentaries will be, uh, will be awesome. Okay, we're going we're gonna to change it up for just a second, guys. Oh, my God. All right, let's talk about Joey Styles' balls. He's got big ones. Is there a man? Is oh, yeah, no shit. Is it, Bergen? Yeah. You know this guy, little Joey Styles, the little Italian guy, huh? He kicks kicks the hell out of JBL. What did you think when you first saw it? Oh, I was completely shocked. But what, what shocked me more was when when Brian did his call-in show and asked people what would happen at your job, and it, pretty much everyone said, "Well, Joey would be fired." I thought I thought a normal person would think like, "Yeah, you know, he finally." stood up to what was right or what was going on was wrong. I don't see why he's the villain in this. You know, he's, he's done something that probably 10 other wrestlers should have done instead of leaving the company. So uh, I, I, was so, I was so proud of him that day, you know, of, of at least somebody in that company doing something. It's just an awesome feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the question is, do you think that JBL is going to, going to get the message this time? No. Hopefully. I don't think. I don't think an old dog learns, you know, new tricks. You know, how many how many people really change, you know, their spots over the years? I, I think that's just the I think way it's he is. I, I think it's something that's going to be, he's going to be really embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, I mean, it's well, one thing to get hit by another wrestler, but uh, the WWE.com guy, you know, that's. Kind of well, different. He, was, he wasn't embarrassed by the Blue Meanie being given a job and a win over him on SmackDown. You know, I mean, he clearly learned nothing from that entire ordeal and alleged admonishment he got for for doing that ridiculous thing on pay-per-view. So, uh, I mean, if he didn't learn from that, I doubt he's going to learn from this, and I just hope that 
this encourages the next person to uh, to stand up for themselves and not be like uh, Paul Mc Carson, whatever his name was, the guy that quit, you know, and, and who knows how many other people that we don't hear about that just couldn't take it anymore and, and didn't come back. Palmer Cannon. Palmer Cannon. Palmer I'm thinking Cannon. of Carson Palmer of the Cincinnati with one of the worst <laughs> QBs of the year. Oh, God. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick little break. I'm going to play a quick little promo, and then we can discuss the promo after. So hold on, fellas. Let me tell you something, Dave Meltzer, baby. Dave Meltzer's a man with the plan, the man with the sheets, if you will. He got the dirty sheets if you're talking to Big Dust, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Dave Meltzer out there, he's going to have put up the wrestling observer, if you will. Let me tell you something about Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer has never laced up a set of boots, if you will. Dave Meltzer has never felt the feel of tights or spandex, if you will, going on his body as he prepared to gird up his lawns to go out to battle, if you will. Dave Meltzer, you're all about getting out there telling people about work rate and buy rate and workers and who's going to do what and who's going to do who to who and who can go and who can't go. Let me tell you something, Dave Meltzer. You don't know your head from your ass, baby. And that's a fact, Jack. Dusty Rhodes. Bottom line, I am wrestling, if you will. Now, Dave Meltzer, never again, never again, Dave Meltzer, will I hear you talk this nonsense, if you will, of who can wrestle and who can't. The dream will be the critic and the jury, and I will make all those decisions, baby. And that's the fact. That's the bottom line, baby. And if I hear Dave Meltzer once again critiquing my wrestling brethren, there's going to be, baby, you know what's coming. It's coming. What's it going to be, baby? There's going to be first blood. We out there. That's what I'm talking about. Jeez. <laughs> that was Vito DiNucci as Dusty Rhodes cutting a promo on Meltzer. Um, I, I, it, I was waiting for Dave to call in last week, and I was waiting for his area code to pop up because I happen to know it because it's the same area, and it was the damn Skype caller. That's why I was ticked off about that Skype caller last week, Derek, because I was going to play the promo so we can hear it and then you know see what he has to say. But uh, Vito DiNucci, between the ropes.com, is a comedic genius. Um, Chris, what did you think of the promo, brother? Excellent. Dirty sheets. I like that part. The dirty sheets. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bergen, what did you think of that? I, I think all the Between the Ropes guys are, are, are pretty fun. I've got to meet them a couple of times in Orlando, and uh, it saddened me when they went to a pay site because I didn't get to listen to all the BTR shows anymore. But uh, I, I think it's, it started off really funny and neat, and it's almost, I think he lost the accent halfway through. But it, it went more to like an almost Blue African up. American uh, junkyard, not junkyard dog, but um, maybe Butch, Butch Reed type promo. But it was uh, definitely good. Doing promos on on Dave or Wade or Brian are always fun to listen to. That's why uh, oh, Jim Cornette Wade, Wade is the next to watch. Oh, oh yeah, no doubt. But uh, I just got in from uh, BobBarnett.com, um, Lanomania, which is insane. Okay, I've reviewed I've reviewed that. I'll yes, send you, you a link it. to my review. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yeah, that was uh, that was some crazy stuff right there, where uh, Cornette you know rips apart Lano. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Chris, for booking him in Japan? Did he book him in Japan? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not on Bob Barnett's uh, shit list with with Mike Lando and Rob Feinstein. It's like, Jesus Christ, will this guy torture you wherever you go? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's good uh, that I'm friends with Bob, so. All right, uh, Mr. Couture, 
I yes. will be talking to you very soon, brother. I got more callers waiting on the line. We're uh, pretty busy tonight. Okay, uh, don't forget the drunk cast tomorrow night, Lance Storm. I'll be on there, meeting of the superpowers. There it is. Uh, 6 p.m. Six p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eight Central. Eastern, 8 Central. Search Ed in San Antonio on blogtalkradio.com. Nice yes, thank you. In Japanese. All right, Chris, thanks for calling in, brother. It was my pleasure. Okay. <clears throat> oh, wow. We're on a roll. A jelly roll. It's so surreal when you're listening to, like, uh, Brian talking to Lance Storm and Lance bringing up, well, where's, when's uh, Cotrera going to call in? Like, when did they develop this rapport? I guess I missed, like, a couple audio shows where he just became the biggest fan of, uh, of an Internet caller. That was amazing. Caller from the 518. Who am I speaking with? This is the Drunk Ninja Master 2. Hey, brother. What's going on? Not much. How are you doing? Thanks for calling in. I, hey, I got a question man. for him first. Drunken Ninja Master, how how come you went you went from posting awesome MP3s that I could download like Bubba or Howard Stern, and now you post links to fucking YouTube? I I don't like that. I mean, I can't download YouTube to my iPod. Oh, that's a YouTube. Yeah, what the fuck? Are you are you uh, an investor in the company or what? Well, you can download stuff off of YouTube. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't use Skype. I'm gonna have to ask Dave Meltzer how to do that. So, uh, oh, jeez. Go back to uh, posting MP3s and save the uh, website. <laughs> All right, I'll try to do that. There hasn't been anything up really, you know, that good recently on Bubba or, um, or on Bubba recently to, to put up. But if there's anything good comes up, I'll hook you up. I'll just PM okay. you or whatever. And, and the Juggalo, the Juggalo stuff. I want to, I want to hear the, the the Kevin Gill and the Juggalo shoot on Wade. Not watch it on YouTube. They, they haven't shot on Wade in a couple of weeks. It's you know, it's pretty much old news now. Okay. So. Jeez. Um, <laughs> well. Any other questions there, Mr. Master? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a question for him. I was, uh, you know, if if Ring of Honor was, you know, hopefully, you know, this year, you know, they were to get on TV, how would you think uh, they should go about doing the TV? Because, um, you know, I've always thought, to me, you know, since I, I'm able to go to the New York City shows, to me it looks the best on camera, you know, would be to film the TV there. But how would you, do you think they should do uh, separate TV tapings or should they, you know, just show certain matches from, the DVDs or past stuff, like how would you go about putting putting together one hour TV show? What do you think would be the best for them to to do if they were able to get TV this year? <clears throat> wow, that's a question. Um, I'm going to have to say uh, either a, a monthly or a bi month, uh, you know, every other month at the uh, Manhattan Center where they did the original Raws. Um, that place is just fucking amazing for TV. Um, <clears throat> great acoustics. Uh, the people bounce off the bounce out of the seats. It's, I would go every other month. What, what do you think, Derek? I think they need to stay far away from TV until they shore up the uh, the many other problems they have in the company, or they're just uh, they're going to go into quicksand. It's it's almost like if you got a car that's been totaled in an accident, you don't give it a paint job first, to make it look nice. You know, you gotta you gotta fix the underlying issues first, and TV should be the last step before you're you know you got all your ducks in order, and now it's now it's time to go for that step. And I think that would be a a gigantic mistake to go to TV right now. Uh, one last question. Sure. Uh, Derek, can I get your address so I can send you uh, 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 like a uh, 100 copies of that new Jeff Jarrett uh, T-shirt? <laughs> the TNA Founder shirt. <laughs> that I can tuck into my jeans and look like a, a stud when I'm, I'm going out town. <laughs> you guys need to be around Jeff. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was also at Rest Union. I've seen him in, in uh, Orlando. And he has the, the greatest fucking trick, which I didn't know at first was whenever he walks out of a room, 
he immediately puts his cell phone to his ear and pretends he has a phone call so that he doesn't have to run into any fans or anything like that. And it's just uh, like, wow. I mean, I, I guess I'd be sick of it too. But I mean, these, when, you're, when you're a small company, and they are small in, in the big scheme of things, you need to, to, to reach out to every single fan and give them that one moment where they'll remember it forever and probably always buy Teen Ace up even when they hate the company because they remember that one day Jeff Jarrett took you know, 10 seconds out of his life. And I'm just like, wow. Unreal. You know, I I would love to get some, you know, uh, uh, something like that, like a phone or or something, you know, troll repellent. So you know, these faggots would leave me alone on the board. <clears throat> we, what would you do if you didn't have the worship the Rams and and uh, and Helmy guards, to, uh, or Helmy three Helmy guards? <laughs> oh, God, <sighs> whatever. No matter what, uh, this is my 91st show, and I have the balls to do this on a weekly basis. And get paid well for it, so they can suck my nuts. <laughs> no matter what, I they probably would if you could promise them free DVDs, because I think there's some pretty cheap individuals out there. I don't think so. I only send stuff to people I like. So, all right, and or have things sent. Sorry, Derek. That's okay. But uh, Mr. Master, do you have any other questions? Oh uh, no, I'm good. Just you know, boop show, and the uh, uh, same two to Derek and to Sean. I listen to that shit every week. So you guys keep up the cool. good work, posting the good audio, and, you know, fuck all the haters, man. There Thanks, it is. Man. Thanks for calling, brother. It was uh, my pleasure. Have a good one. <clears throat> all right, brother. Wow, Derek, someone in my fucking corner. I love it. <laughs> well, we have, I think uh, I, the, there's nothing worse on these on these boards than when you get, like, the recent uh, Decker Durablin versus Video One, who's so obviously not Rob Feinstein. I don't, I don't know why the Roberts... And, and the Deckers are convinced it's him. And it's just like after the fucking 15th thread of it, it's just like one of those – those. in, in the last call with, with Raven DVD, Raven made a funny joke at the beginning, and then he used, used the same joke you know, 15 times to the point where Sandman finally said, that's not funny anymore. And you almost want to shake these fucking trolls and say, you know what, it's not fucking funny. It's like that, that Billy Gunn picture they posted for months, and it, it was really funny maybe the first week, you know, pretty good. And then they fucking pulled it, they fucking buried it, they dug it back up, fucking pissed on it, and then buried it again. And it's just like, Bergen, why don't you guys get it? Bergen, I Bergen, they're smart, dude. Bergen, Some of them are smart and funny. Uh, Derek, you just mentioned the picture, and I did the taunt. <laughs> they're fucking... Uh, yeah, where? They're act together. That drive me crazy. Now, I'll <laughs> we deserve a better troll. That's what we need on the fucking F4W. We deserve a better fucking brand of trolls there. And I challenge yeah. them in 2009 to be better. We need mini trolls, you know, trollcitos. <laughs> we need something. That's money. That's money right there. Now, let's uh, let's be honest here. Um, <clears throat> I'd say the last week or so, Brian's uh, audio has been pick, you know has been picking up. Um, before that, it was in a big slump. Um, we'll, we'll, honestly, yeah. I know you work with Brian and and Dave and whatnot, but the, honestly, um, how do you feel about the audio content on the on the Observer site? Well, it's probably not fair to ask me because I hate all the MMA audio, and I know there's a lot of it. And so I guess if you're a person that likes MMA, I mean, how can you complain? But the person like okay, me, I have to let's, skip let's, almost every other I'm, I'm talking, daily. I'm talking, yeah, Figure Four Daily and Observer Radio. That those are the 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 flagship uh, figure four daily, as far as his guests and stuff and uh, the content. 
I think he's doing. I think he's doing fine. He had the Wes Adams interview. I think when him and Dave do the Wrestling Observer Radio, it's the the first thing that goes in front of my iPod. And I actually asked mm-hmm. Brian when I did my Figure Four Daily with him. I asked him off air. I go, you know, I got to ask you this, Brian. It seems like Dave prints out every fucking email because when you guys go to questions, it sounds like he's rustling papers like some from mm-hmm. newsroom. And I think he does. Cool. And Brian thinks he does too. So it's just uh, it's just amazing that Dave Meltzer sits there with probably. You know, 1,000 sheets of paper that he printed out, you know, from, from various emails. And I just found that such a, a surreal sight to even imagine. <laughs> I like, how, can you, how can you not love Dave Meltzer audios? I mean, that's, I used to look forward to him when he was once uh, every two weeks, and now he's three times a week. So I, I, I'm sorry mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't down that. It's, I, 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 I yeah, it. I can't get enough of it. It's always moved to number one on my CDs. So, that's, you know, that's always the first thing I listen to in the morning at work is automatic, automatic. Um, now, uh, <clears throat> what did you think of the two Al Snow shows that, that Brian did? Well, Al, Al Snow is a challenge. I like Al a lot, and uh, when you if you watch his shoot interview with our video, I mean, I think he goes into these interviews with either, I don't know, a chip on his shoulder, or uh, it's beneath him, almost like the, Bruce, the recent Bruce Beefcake one. And uh, I think he'd be a much better interview if he just kind of let go of that and just, you know, shot from the hip. But I didn't. I didn't hate them. But I just didn't get the impression you're getting a full interview out of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, episode sixty-six of Rubber Guard Radio. Two plus hours with Al Snow. Now that's how you interview Al Snow. I'll, you I'll cannot, check that out. Yeah, I, I, you I, cannot be passive with him. No. You you have to be aggressive as far as your questioning of him. You do that in the beginning. He will he will earn your respect, and then it's a good conversation. And the thing is, it it seems like Brian is being the "Quote unquote overly respectable journalist," you know, <clears throat> guys guys catch on to that man, and they're like, you know, they'll rip you to shreds, or they'll just, you know, give you the bare minimum, like Brutus did, you know, on yesterday's show. Yeah, you know, you gotta have a fucking spine, especially with Al. If you do that with Al, he will respect you. I, I think even Brian would have been <clears throat> after the fact, looking at, in hindsight on Bruce Beefcake. That was a waste of time. It probably shouldn't have aired. It was almost. Uh, an insult to the the site and its its listeners. I mean, that's so far to Brian. It was it was his guest, and he should have almost sent him a receipt by not even by not even airing it. I mean, that was just a ridiculous yeah a fluff job of his answers that had no insight whatsoever that you and I could have answered those questions and not even being at the CCW tapings. There you go, there you go, exactly. <clears throat> now, uh, what did you think of the Lance show? I love the Lance. I love the Lance's. My favorite all-time guest on that show. So every time he comes on, he turned me on to. He kept mentioning it. Uh, Corner Gas, some Canadian TV series. It's good. And he says it's like it's their good. Seinfeld, which I, I couldn't believe it. And I found out that I had a WGN on one of my cable stations, so I taped it one night. And I'm like, God damn! So now I, I watch them all. I'm up to date. I think it's a it's a fantastic show. Now, I get I get reamed for calling in and plugging my show, but I have to thank Lance today for plugging my show for me. So I didn't look like an asshole, and I also asked, you know, an intelligent question too. You know, it's not wasn't about the uh, flavor of the month indie geek or whatever. I mean, it was a you know an honest answer, or honest question. Um, I think, I think, I think you have to get your brand out there if you want people to notice you, because some people just won't remember. You know, like I keep mentioning the PW Torch that we do an audio show, just because maybe they'll remember when they're when they're. Oh yeah, he does a Ring of Honor. What's one thing that the Ric Flair shoot? I thought High Spots, you know, blew it is when people are sampling them on YouTube or whatever, you don't see high spots anywhere because their banner is so big, you're only getting, like, the eye. You know, you need – and our video has the same fault. 
you need to, to get it so when, when people see either pirated works of yours or little clips that you put up on YouTube, that they see your company and they're reminded subconsciously or consciously to go to your website or, or go wherever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, sometimes <clears throat> the Helmy 316s hate you saying Rubber Guard Radio, but there has to be, you know, one or a hundred or ten or whatever amount of people that checked out Rubber Guard Radio because they just remembered you constantly saying it and plugging it. So they're just bad marketers, anyone who says that's a bad idea. You know, the not not to toot my own horn, but when we did the shoots with the Ballards and and Mike Modest, the banner was the perfect size. Okay, where you saw everything on that banner, <clears throat> and just to just I'll, I'll break kayfabe and all. It was a ring apron. Oh, okay, it was pretty much a ring apron, and uh, <clears throat> it worked. You got. To oh, you need, you need to break kayfabe even a little bit more. On the review copy you sent me of the Mike Modest one, did you deliberately put those breaks every fucking 30 seconds to make me almost want to destroy my TV? Because there was an audio one-second delay every 30 to 45 seconds, and it was very challenging to finish that DVD. Yes, it was just for you. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) At first I thought, okay, this this can't go on. It went on the entire two discs. And I'm like, this... A Master Rib by Kid Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. What we do is we are uh, waiting for Scrap Daddy Iron Pierce to Adam Pierce to call in. Yeah, Iron Pierce. Adam Pierce to call in and then we can uh we can dump Burgundy can go back to the torch board. <clears throat> okay. Now Adam Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> And the other thing, I mean, for people, we had big arguments on this on the Torch Audios, and, and Sean Radigan does this. We've got to give him a chance. You don't know what. You don't know what. And you're right. And to some degree, you've got to give him a chance, even though he's never been involved in anything entertaining, if you ask me, in his entire career, uh, with limited exceptions. And, and I explained it. It'd be like, I love the show Heroes, and, and it's really gone downhill ratings-wise or whatnot. And you could say, well, okay, to salvage the show, we're going to bring in Polly Shore to be a head writer. And you know what? Polly Shore has never been in anything good. So I doubt he's going to make heroes any better. But I don't, I don't agree with that. You've got to give him a chance type thing. But I know you're, you're friends now, with him. I don't want to cut, put you on the spot. But I don't see anything in the last month that tells me Adam Pierce has what ROH needs. Well, call it what you will. Um, I've just been corrected by Mr. Jeff Dino, the owner of WrestleWarehouse.com. That was not a ring apron. It was a banner. So it was a banner. You hear that, Jeff? It was still a banner, and Alex Saint is on hold to correct me. So go ahead and correct me. Oh, I don't even know what we're talking about. Is Adam Pierce on yet? <laughs> no, not quite. We're <laughs> we're uh, waiting for the champ to call in. I can't wait for the next Alex Saint show. I'm going to call in and say, "Don't you have a better host on?" <laughs> <laughs> no way. You you got you got to dump Miss Yuma. Then you can come back on full time, Alex. <laughs> but that's for the San Diego crowd that's listening. <clears throat> now, Alex, I have to ask you. Yeah. Your boy Johnny Yuma. Yeah. Okay, this this kid's all over the place, man. Yeah, he's man. He's uh, Yeah, he's working all over the place, man. Uh <clears throat> he's really blown up this this night here. And then uh I saw him in his debut match, man, and then uh he was he was impressive and I was telling people then, you know, I was telling 
I was telling Jeff Dinos then, I was like, hey, you gotta, you gotta get this human kid on your shows. He's, uh, at the time, he was Johnny Mahalo. And then, uh, I was like, man, he's a, he's a real good kid. You gotta get him on the shows. And, uh, he's just now getting his due. He's got a big, uh, EWF show coming up and he's working all the Jeff shows around the, around the loop. And, uh, I couldn't be happier for him, man. Couldn't happen to a better guy. The loop. Now, you say the loop. Does that mean he's coming up north in January? Uh, no, he's not coming up the north. Uh, Jeff Dino and Gabe Ramirez, they worked out a deal to send uh, Hector Canales, Richard Mandel, Chimera, and uh, Sidero up there. But... Alex, Alex, kayfabe, not yet. Okay. We, oh, we we're going to announce oh. that later on in the show. But he already no, announced no, no, it um... on the Internet. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, January 28th in the uh, – at the Oakland Coliseum Arena, outdoors, uh, there's going to be a FIFA uh, soccer or football match. And outside in the parking lot, Mr. Jeff Dino will be presenting a pro wrestling show. So, uh, no, I'm talking about the show Gabe Ramirez is doing where he's bringing up right. guys. Well, Jeff's bringing up guys that day, too. Oh, yeah, well, I knew that. Yeah, Johnny Hume was on that show, yeah. That's what I'm asking. If I, I know who's booked for, for Gabe's show, yeah. Yeah. Um. But no, I was I was wondering if uh, if uh, Mr. Yuma was coming up for the Oakland show. Yeah, he's up there for the Oakland show. But what what's some of the loop? He's doing that Riverside show too. So. Oh shit! Oh, for Gabe? Uh, no, uh, Jeff. Jeff, uh, Jeff is running a show in Riverside. Oh shit! Man, he's blowing up. Yeah, he's all Man. over the place. Look out for Russell in two thousand eight. Yeah. There you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, but Yuma, I no. mean, yeah, I've. I've had many classic battles now. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Andrew, uh, Johnny Yuma, Andrew, yeah, he's he's good. He's Whatever. He's a good kid. He's a hard worker. Uh, the the, yeah, the one time good. I met him, Alex, the, the one time I met him, you know, he's he's a good kid. You know, genuinely good kid. You know, it doesn't seem, you know, like he'd be a prick. Like, I mean, um, anyway. Now, let's uh, let's uh, wrap up with uh, Mr. Bergen. Plug the torch, Derek. What? Well, uh, First of all, I, I do do reviews for the F4WOnline.com, and ho I hope to have some soon, especially for Ring Roast Volume 1 from, from KTIB Commentaries, and uh, Omega Uncommon Passion, which is an awesome documentary from yeah. Big Vision on the Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy uh, Omega promotion. And I do weekly audios with Sean Radigan over on the PWTorch.com website. We usually do a, an hour dedicated strictly to Ring of Honor, and then we do an hour or so to uh, everything else in wrestling. So it's quite fun. Awesome. Gumgod.com is still alive. You haven't yep, killed it yet. <laughs> that's where Lino Mania is. No, I got to keep that domain open for my uh, email address. But uh, that's ah. that's uh, that's where my review of Lino Mania is and a bunch of other uh, goofy stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mr. Bergen, pleasure was ours. Thanks for coming on, brother. Ah, thank you, Kid Zombie. And we'll uh, let's let's hope the challenge, like I said, the Helmy 316s, the Dans, and and the worship the the Rams will get a better class of trolls for 2009. And uh, <laughs> Episode maybe 100 of Rubber Guard Radio. We can invite some of them on, and we'll have a, a party. There it is. Thanks for calling in, brother. We'll have you on next time. And have Thank a you, happy man. holiday. You too, kid. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was IWC writing legend, Mr. Derek Bergen. <clears throat> now, for those that, that missed it right there um, when Derek was running down his plugs, um, Omega, the Uncommon Passion, it's a two-disc set. The first disc is a documentary, and the second disc is uh, from the master tapes of Omega Matches. Um, it was insane. Did, do you have the, the second disc of that one, Alex? 
Yeah. Yeah, with the Hardys and um, Maverick the and uh, Elm. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. Oh, man. That shit, you know, it still stands up. I'll, I'll say this. It shows you that, I mean, if you work hard, I mean, because the Hardys, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they were backyarders, you know, Omega, and especially as infancy. I mean, when they were wrestling the trampoline, it was a backyard promotion. But, I mean, the Hardys just stuck it out, stuck it out. And I guarantee you that they got, they paid their dues once they got around, you know, some uh, wrestlers. You know, I guarantee you they paid their dues. So, I mean, it just shows you if you stick it out, this is what you want to do. You can definitely make it. Okay. Well, well all those guys, I mean, most of those guys, I mean, they ended up doing something. I mean, it was definitely, yeah. it was definitely a, a neater thing because, I mean, they had so many comparisons to ECW, even though ECW was a bigger scale. But, I mean, still a lot of those guys they ended up being, you know, players for major companies, you know. Yeah. I mean, fuck, look, look at the, all right, just off the top of the head, Venom, Joey Abs, okay, the Hardys, Moore, Helms, York. Matthews, Carino. That's that's the upper tier. I mean, that's that's some talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's you, you got you guys need to go out of your way. You can get that at rfvideo.com. Um fuck high spots. But you can go to rfvideo.com and pick that up. Uncommon passion. Omega Uncommon Passion. It's just really well worth. I mean, even if you're not if you're you're not into documentaries, you need to see the second disc um, because it's an upgrade of I, – I had most of the matches, but the DVD release is an upgrade in quality. So, I mean, <clears throat> that's about as good as you're going you're gonna to get with uh, 97, 98 indies. You know, I mean, a bunch of those matches are on the Death Valley Driver uh, uh, independent matches of the 90s. Um, just top to bottom good stuff. Wow. So – I hear you're itching to see some Noah. Oh yeah, I want to want to see this Kenta Marafuji hour match. Um, I've never seen Kenta and Marafuji work each other, but uh, I'm really interested to see what they brought out at Budokan. I mean, it seems you know a lot of people are talking about it being an important match, so I'm very interested to see it. And then uh, I've never been particularly. I mean, I've never really been the biggest fan of Noah, but I mean uh, Marafuji, he's always really good, and uh, Kenta, I mean. Kenta's, Kenta's good. I mean, I've seen I've seen Kenta where I didn't necessarily like it, but I mean, I've seen I know when Marfuji is going to be good, and them going an hour. I'm real interested to see with that style how they they can go an hour because I mean they wrestle that real fast paced style. I mean, when Flair talks about his DVD about going an hour, I mean he you know it was a different type of an hour. So I, I just I'm real interested to see how these guys were able to pull off an hour. Yeah, well, with that that type of worker. I'd I'd like to see you know what what type of a pace they set. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> as compared to say Joe and Punk. You right. Know, or Steamboat and Flair. You know, I'd, because Steamboat and Flair was pretty much nonstop. You know, considering what they were doing back then, they was yeah. nonstop. Then then Joe Joe and Punk, you know, they would work holds, get them over, and you know, pace it that way. It's just going to be interesting to to uh, to see how they. How they play it, play it out, and I'm not going to tell you how. Flair and Steamboat, man, that was that's, that's the most that's probably the most amazing matches I've ever seen. Is their uh, their hour match they had in New Orleans, and then the the two pay per view matches. I mean, I've seen some of the now, stuff from Atlantic that Flair always high, holds in such high acclaim, 
But, I mean, those matches in particular, man, they did not stop. They were constantly wrestling for an hour. And then, I mean, wow. I mean, this is really breathtaking to watch. Now, on the weekends, okay, during that program, they weren't going hours. They were going about 25. And the date, March 18th, 1989, they worked the Landover, Maryland, in the matinee, they went 25 minutes. There is a handheld of it out there. And the same night in Philadelphia, they went about 25 to 30, and there is a handheld of that match. And I've I've seen a crappy quality of the Philly match, and the Landover-Maryland match was just brilliant stuff. And this, if this was, they were doing things that they were doing on the pay-per-views and the, the clashes, and this was at a house show, and it just mm-hmm. blew me away how good the matches were. Yeah, and for a fucking house show. I was just House shows were different away. then. I mean, the house shows were still the main revenue bringer at the time, so, I mean, they had to... Because Flair was even saying, you know, they asked Flair about the differences in interviews uh, today and interviews then. You know, now, I mean, they're cutting promos for the show three weeks away, the pay-per-view, because, I mean, that's the big show. But, I mean, Flair, he would go out there and promote himself because the the thing was is he was promoting himself for when he came to your town. You know, you got to see Ric Flair. And, I mean, the you know, the house shows were definitely different. You know what I mean? Because he'd be ruffling, you know, Ted DiBiase here and then Dick Murdoch here and the Freebirds here. So, I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't get a chance to promote all those particular matches. But as long as the guys were over and they were ruffling each other, then, I mean, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Alex. Can you compare Hogan and Flair? I can't. They're a completely different animal. Well, yeah. I mean, who, who, I mean, you can't, I mean, they're, yeah, they're completely different. I mean, Hogan, just like, just like Flair was saying, I mean, Hogan had the machine behind him. I mean, he, Vince brought in the best workers from across the country to come in and bump for Hogan. And then when they finally put him up against monsters, because, I mean, if he'd have wrestled Bundy for six months, I mean, it'd have been a well, different title reign. But I mean, he was wrestling Race and Funk, and then he would do the two to three, you know, the two month program with Bundy. Then he'd turn around and wrestle somebody else. So I mean, they surrounded him with just great workers at the time. I mean, everyone remembers the the match he had with Orndorff and Piper, and I mean, Hogan was. I mean, Hogan could cut the promos, though. I mean, that if you want to compare the two. That was the one thing they both did have in common is that Hogan could cut a hell of a promo. And, I mean, he'd get people excited about the upcoming shows, you know. And, I mean, I always remember the angle they did on Saturday Night's Main Event or uh, on the Piper's Pit when Andre ripped the cross off Hogan's chest. You know I mean? It wasn't a promo, but, I mean, you you always remember oh. that moment, you know. Just the, not even, just the look on his face. On Hogan's face when he ripped the chain off. That yeah. look, it, you know. Whew. <clears throat> that was heavy. You know, that was a heavy angle. That, that's unfortunate because, I mean, you know, a lot of people are wrapped around match quality today, and then people may go back and look at Hogan and Andre today and say, well, that was a that was a shitty match, you know. And But, I mean, it's, the match, match quality wasn't something people took into account. You know, I mean, you just if, – if a match was good, you just knew it in your bones, in your heart. Wow, that was, that was a pretty good match, you know. But, I mean, you didn't – It drew the house. You didn't break it. it. It drew the house. Yeah, but I mean, then you have the matches that you. I mean, everyone. I mean, I remember when I found out Hogan and Walter were going to be wrestling 
at a mania, you know, after the build they did at the Royal Rumble when they were both in the ring, and that was the first time he ever thought, like, wow, what happened if Warrior and Hogan did have a match? And finally when they did that match at WrestleMania, I mean, that was a must-see match, you know, and everyone everyone from at least my generation, I think they always remember that match. And then Hogan-Andre, I mean, you... That, I mean that was the I mean that was the match you know I mean Andre was the the, the giant good guy, and then he when he turned into a bad guy alive with Bobby Heenan, the one against Hogan could Hogan stop the the monster you know because they'd always build Andre as being undefeated and unslammed all that other good stuff. Did I lose you, Alex? Yep, I lost Alex. Hello? Oh, you're there. Yeah. Okay. I thought I lost you, brother. Oh, no. That's sad. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but Flair, I yeah. mean, Flair, I mean, he always holds in high regard about the quality of matches that he's having with everyone. I mean, yeah, Flair and Hogan were just two totally different world champions. I mean, Hogan couldn't go in there with a guy and, and make him, you know, but, I mean, Flair could go in there with anybody and uh, make that guy a star, at least for that night, you know? Yeah, but, man, the NWA had some guns uh, going, you know. I mean, they had Rhodes, Wyndham, Blanchard. I mean, when Flair says that, you know, NWA has a talent roster, I mean, man, did they have a talent roster. And then some. I mean, look at the B-shows in 86 and 87. The B-towns, Rock and Roll Express mm-hmm. and Midnight on top? Come on. That's money. <clears throat> it's just a shame that they had bad accounting and they bought <laughs> yeah. it yet. And then, and then when and when the Rock and Roll Express cycle through, I mean, then you had the Fantastics and the Midnight's going at it. I mean, that was some classic, classic matches. Yeah, I have to agree. That was just. I mean, I'm always you know putting over that as my favorite favorite year '87, uh, for both UWF and uh, NWA. Just for UWF and '87, you like UWF stuff. The yeah, the National UWF. Watts. That was some of the best what TV ever. What in particular, stuff, or what in particular were you liking? Um, the Sheep Herders Fantastics was fun. Yeah. Um, the the main event program, you know, the uh, the title situation with. What do you Bang think about Gordy as a world else. champion? Excellent, excellent, but he wasn't around enough. Yeah. So that was the problem. Um, he's he's everything that Watts wants in a world champion, but he just was never in the country constantly. Yeah, um, I, thought, I, I the, definitely thought when they finally got the belt to Doc, I mean, I think Doc was, you know, because Doc was always Watts' guy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, man, if they'd have kept Ted DiBiase during that run, I mean, that would have been, you know, because Ted had Ted stuff in UWF. If you've never, if, if you wonder why everyone holds Ted DiBiase in such a claim and you watch the WWF stuff and don't get it, I definitely think you needed to go check out his Mid-South stuff, because, I mean, wow, was Ted DiBiase a worker. Oh, and then some. And then some, brother. You know, Teddy was fucking blow away. Uh, also, for the UWF at that time, the uh, the Russians against the Cowboy, which is just, you know, money. Uh, yeah. My favorite angle, where, where they cover him with the flag, that's my favorite angle ever. Um. And then the Hot Stuff International, you know, with John Tatum and Eddie Gilbert, that was compelling TV. You know, 
and they would go off the air in the middle of the main event match, you know, and there was gave me a reason to watch the next week. Man, Gilbert, I mean, it's not, it's, I don't think it's a secret that Gilbert's, you know, one of my favorites of all time. And, man, I think Eddie had really hit his stride, one of his early strides then. I mean, I like a lot of his later Memphis stuff, too, when he was feuding with Jerry Lawler. But, yeah, I mean, him and Memphis feuding with Bill Watts. And then, yeah, but Gilbert was just, I mean, he cut the promos. I mean, he was a, he was a hell of a worker, too. You know, he's, he was really underrated as a worker, and Watts didn't really like him as a worker because he was such a smaller guy. But, I mean, he could go in there. And Tatum, I mean, Tatum, in my opinion, is really underrated. I always thought Tatum was a real good worker. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I have to completely agree with you on that. He's uh, really, you know, Gilbert gets the credit, but not from the not from everybody. You know, he he gets credit from the older guys. Some of the older guys, and then those you know that are smart that have gone out of their way to see him. Um, I'm I'm really surprised he he has not been put in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, and Gilbert even you had you know a little short run up there in WWF as a as a job guy in the early. But I mean, uh, Gilbert. Yeah, but it Gilbert was. It's me that he made it, it to that Mr. Perfect DVD. Yeah. That's right. They did. That was the MSG match, right? Yes. Where they they went twenty. Okay. That was the MSG where they went twenty, right? The the draw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah, that match was fun. Those uh. Those MSG matches, you know, in '83 with the openers were really really good. They had some good talent up there. Uh, there's a guy actually now who goes to Jeff shows, uh, SoCal Pro shows. And he helps out with the podcast and a lot of stuff like that. And then he was actually a promoter in the Southeastern Territory uh, when Gilbert took it over. And then, I mean, being a promote, being you know, a promoter, I mean, being a booker and being a worker at the same time, I mean, because Gilbert was having to go to all the towns. He'd have to get there early. He'd have to lay out the show. And then he'd work the main, and then he'd have to go to the next town. And, I mean, those weren't easy drives, especially in, you know, the southern states. So, I mean... Gilbert, I don't think it's enough credit for you know just how hard, how hard he worked, especially during that time. And I know he was a booker toward the end in uh, mid south too. I mean that's that's definitely difficult, you know, especially as a top guy having to drive around, off the towns, and then yeah, Gilbert was something else, man. It's, it's unfortunate that he passed because I mean his mind for the business was just he was booking mid south when he was twenty five, you know. I mean that that was unheard of at that time, you know. Wow. Yeah, he he really he did have a lot of pull, you know. At least as far as booking his stuff, um, I I would love to have been able to sit in the booking meeting for the whole Russian thing. I would love to have just sat be a fly on that wall and just see what these guys were discussing and and you know how we're going to do that and just amazing stuff. You know, that's the one thing I always didn't like about Mid-South is how much Bill Watts put himself over. Because, I mean, Bill Bill may have been the toughest guy in the locker room, but, I mean, when you're – it's all about the image thing, you know, and I didn't necessarily think Bill needed to put himself over. As I remember in particular when the Freebirds took out Williams in New Orleans and they piled drove him on the floor. And then Bill came back to the team with Ted DiBiase and Terry Taylor and they took on the Freebirds and you'd see Michael Hayes and Gordy bumping around for the old Bill Watts. And, I mean – he may have legitimately been able to bump those guys in real life, but, I mean, 
it kind of, I don't think it hurt the Freebirds because they were so over, but, I mean, it kind of, if they had a lesser team, it would have hurt them, you know. But, I mean, definitely for that angle where they put the wrestler flag over Watts, I mean, that was that was powerful, powerful stuff. Even today, you know, you could go back and watch mm-hmm. that angle. And, I mean, that's powerful, powerful stuff, you know. Now, I was just thinking, I man, know. Sting had a hell of an upbringing, man. Sting, when he, uh, he went to that Mid-South territory and they paired him with Gilbert, so, I mean, he was obviously, you know, working with Gilbert every night teaming. And then uh, they feuded, he feuded with Gilbert. And then uh, he turned around to the NWA, and they put him almost immediately in that program with Flair. So, I mean, Sting was kind of groomed, even before he was groomed, you know, to be a top guy, you know? Yep. I mean, look at, look at the young talent they had. Sting, Steiner. Steiner was a stud. That guy was a fucking stud. You know, they had uh, the Fantastics who, you know, they, they did a little dance in world class or, or wherever else, Memphis, or and they never really did much. Then they, they showed up there, and they were off to the races. Um, I mean, all kinds of guys. I mean, you had uh, Savannah Jack, who never really did anything else other than his, his uh, UWF run with uh, Iceman. Yeah, Terry um, Taylor. I mean... Yeah, there you go, Terry Taylor. But yeah, back to that Savannah Jack Iceman stuff. That stuff was really, 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 really controversial at the time. I mean, you know, that was black on black hate, and it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it offended my cracker ass. And, um, well, I mean, I know they did a lot of race angles. I remember, I remember Butch Reed telling uh, Dick Slater one time, you know, like, I'm a black man. I'll hit, I'll hit Dark Journey, and I was just like, wow, you know, that really, <laughs> that's not, you know what I'd want to portray, but I mean, what, whatever it means, you know, I mean, Bill Watts, you know, I think he Kill maybe made it much. Huh? Kill the crackhead. <laughs> uh, Bill you Watts, know, I think, a... maybe made too much of, you know, pushing black guys. I mean, he always said, you know, well, I'm the guy pushing black people. I mean, you push the talented guys, you know, much less their, their race, you know, I mean. Well, after J after JYD, or during, you know, because the, the, the whole Reed and JYD thing, you know, I mean, Reed had the talent. Reed had skills. He was exceptional. The stuff he did with Flair, the hours he would go with Flair, you know, he was lugging that big body of his around for, you know, an hour. You know, and he was he was really good. And there were some times when he was working with some shitty workers. But, it, you know, he still looked good. Uh, you know, I'm really, really not happy that, that he didn't get the push and run that he really deserved in New York. But there was one guy that good, I guess. one guy who was great that's not really talked about is Bud Sawyer. Bud Sawyer was great. Um, Buzz was good. Uh, he actually landed out in this area, Sacramento. You know, towards the end of his uh, stay or whatnot. But yeah, I, I actually just saw some early Buzz Sawyer stuff from San Francisco. And uh, that's pretty good stuff. Um, you know, back then, you know, kind of figured he'd be something. Uh, Buzz was just intense, you know, and it came off on camera, too. Uh, well, what did you think about his intensity? What did I think about his what? His intensity. Oh, He's man, believable. yeah. I mean, Buzz was so believable when he was in there. I mean, he was he was just a really, really good, you know, he was really, really good to watch. He was fun. Uh, what were some of his main programs? Duggan. 
which was yeah, the Duggan one. I re- the Duggan one was the one I remember. I also remember uh, NWA. It. He uh, teamed with his uh, Bart Wayne Sawyer, and then uh, they did. I remember they had matches. I think Flair and someone else on TV. I mean, he was he was on the NWA too, and I mean, he was just real good. Yeah, that's one guy that just spiraled out of control, and you know, well, whatever, man. People's making that's unfortunate. Their- Especially that, well, you know, he was shady, too. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it was just, you know, one bad night of partying. I mean, he was a shady dude. So, things come around. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, things are deserved, but I'm saying things come around. Uh, well, let's see. Any other names that back then? Uh, let's see. How about how about the missing link? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, never really, I didn't. Wasn't really a fan. Um, I wasn't really a fan of this. I mean, yeah, I can't. I can't really ever say I was a fan. He was just too uh, too out there for me. <laughs> Him and Dark Journey were a hell of a couple, weren't they? <laughs> that was like early, like Kane Lita. Yeah, that was definitely early. Uh, the the crazy psychopath with the the, I guess a hot chick at the time. I never saw what Journey brought to the table, but. Well, it wasn't what she brought to the table. It's what she brought under the table. But um, <laughs> the, the the thing with them, you know, they had the whole Beauty and the Beast thing, but I couldn't quite figure out which one of the two was the Beast. <clears throat> so, okay, we well, then you had um, Devastation Incorporated. You had your Kamala, your one-man gang, you know, these bigger guys. The gang, though, gang was a hell of a, hell of a worker at that time in 87. Mm-hmm. He was damn good. <clears throat> whether whether he was in there with uh with a uh, Gordy or uh Doc um didn't matter. He was fucking awesome either way. Uh what do you think about What happens if Scotty Steiner would have been a couple of years older and he would have came to the Mid South? I mean, definitely he would have been a guy that Watts would have loved. Hmm. You know, I don't think he would have sold the company. Honestly, is that um, thought of what it came? Yeah, mm-hmm. because I think it would have given them, you know, a little more time, and they would have gotten through the oil problem there down south. So I think it would have bought them some time, and the economy may possibly have changed. So you know, a lot of what's going down the drain was economical. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at it that way. In other words, it it could be possible that business could have turned around but I mean I'm not saying it's for sure but I think that they may have been able to prolong things okay let's uh, let's see let's move on we'll move on from the UWF so when was the last time you actually stepped into a ring and worked Um, November 22nd, New Wave Pro Wrestling. Um, it was uh, against a guy named Jameson Stafford. Is that one of Rick Drayson's boys? No. It's uh, one. No. He trains up at the West Coast Wrestling Company with uh, Impact Adam. And... Yeah. Um, he's, not, he's not a bad kid, though. He's a, he's a good kid. So it, it, it looks like a 
you know, the 619 is spreading up here to uh, Northern California. Um, let me see. Rev, uh, geez. Revolution Pro Wrestling. Before that, though, I had a match at SoCal Pro with uh, Mr. Johnny Yuma, and we, we had the, the greatest opening match in many months. There you go. <laughs> when is the DVD going to be released? You're listening, oh, Jeff. I've got to ask Jeff Dino about that. I've been I bug him every time I see it. I just want to hear one of my matches with commentary. I mean, that's like one thing that I want. I just want to hear someone commentate over my matches. And, I mean, you got the, the dynamics. And, I mean, I want to hear their interesting analysis of uh, Alex Sade. That was, that was a good show. Jeff's been putting out a lot of good shows lately. So. All right. Well, we're going to welcome to the show the artist formerly known as SoCal Crazy. What's that new name there, brother? Sidereal. I couldn't quite hear you. What was that, Alex? Sidereal. Is he on the show? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's up, SoCal? He should be. What's up? What's up, SoCal? How you doing, brother? Okay, it sounds like he's got a bad connection, or I've got a bad connection. Uh, yeah, he's I'm doing in Spanish. and out. You might... Tell him in Spanish. You might understand that. Okay. No, he... Jeez. Oh, <laughs> no, he's going to call back. I think, I think he hit a bad cell. Now, what was his name uh, again? I, I'm... Sidereal. Sidereal? Yeah, okay. some, some Mexican god. Okay, cool. But instead of the black and blue, is black and red. Yeah, black and red. Right. Yeah, look how crazy tearing it down. Uh, okay, so it's... <laughs> Sidereal? Yes, I, Daryl. That's it. I'd like to welcome NWA superstar Sidereal to the show. How you doing, brother? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having uh, me again, Casey. No, it's always a pleasure, brother. It's always a pleasure. Do um, we have you on the air? Uh, we're going to let. Uh, wow, well, what the hell, Alex? You you dropped it already earlier in the show. Uh, January thirteenth, or is it the eighteenth? January 18th, I believe. 18th, yeah. And that's at uh, O'Connell High School in San Francisco for Revolution Pro Wrestling. Um, See, the problem is you ask ask SoCal Crazy a date. SoCal Crazy has the amazing ability just to smell a ring. And so if there's a ring being set up (laughs) in California, SoCal Crazy just shows up. Well, you know, what what, what can I say? If I didn't didn't have my girlfriend... You know, the ring would probably be my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, so, so, oh. so right now, I, I more, more than likely the ring is like my mistress. I just so, I, so I are you calling? Away. Alex, I can't stay away. You calling, you're calling Alex Saint a sellout. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be doing um, actually my debut show for that for that particular company, which uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, um, have the uh, honor to, to wrestle up there in front of that crowd. Uh, should, should should be something good. Yeah, you're you're going to be amazed. Um, the last time out at that that high school, they drew what did they draw? Seven hundred without the Mysterios. So they're bringing in the Mysterios to headline. So they're going to pop a house, and it's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah well, so know, crazy about his uh, huge accomplishment in the month of October. He actually got the Russell Alex Payne. That's that's right. That, that's right. I did. I did. And, and what an experience that was. 
Are you still hurting from that match? <laughs> not Who's you, hurting? Alex. Oh. You not not you, Gimp. The other guy. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I'm doing fine. I, I'm, I'm, I hope Alex is all right by now. I mean, I, I did have him. In a, I, I did have him in a gory special for quite a while, but I, I hope he's fine. <laughs> Shit. Oh boy. Okay. That's good stuff. So uh, you're you're working the 18th, and I do understand that you are going to be up here again in Northern California. I have to say just real quick about the about the gory oh, yeah. special that I've 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 been on top of the uh, Rotten Ronnie Thrash's shoulders, and that was probably the scariest moment ever. But I have to say when uh, SoCal Crazy ended up picking me up for that uh, that Dominator, that was, that would have been a scary moment. But SoCal Crazy is only three feet tall, so it wasn't that high up there. So, <laughs> so well, you know what that. Chico. Yeah, I think next time I have you up there, I'm going to jump. So maybe that'll add another <laughs> two feet. So I'll be 3.2 feet up there. Exactly. <laughs> don't jump, man. man. We don't another guy in San Diego with knee problems. I mean, me and Ryan Stone are holding down that market. So Okay, um, I've I've been corrected. It's it's Saturday, January 17th, 17th. at John O'Connell okay. High School. Right. San Francisco, and you can get information on uh, on that at www.revolucionlucha.libre.com. For those gringos, it's a C and not a T. So <laughs> check them out. Um, I'm going to run down the lineup real quick. Uh, the main event, or one of the main events we have um, for the Pro Wrestling Revolution tag titles, uh, Ray Sr. and EO Day. Rey Mysterio Jr. against September Negro Jr. and El Spancho Jr. A good old-fashioned Lucha Libre tag team match. And the semi, Mr. Wrestling 4 against my boy Oliver John, who you had the pleasure to get in the ring with. Yeah, um, yeah so Oliver John. Yeah, yeah, again, an awesome individual. And then I hope I, I get another opportunity to, to step in the ring with him. See what we can do about that. You forgot the classic encounter as well that uh, Rey Mysterio Sr. and SoCal Crazy had against uh, Ari Romero and Ari Romero Jr. And that was a match. I mean, that was, you know, that was really, you know, one of my top favorite SoCal Crazy matches that I've seen. Because, I mean, he was in there with Ari Jr. And that was, you know, that was classic. And then Ray and Ari getting in there, I mean, that was, you know, those two guys, I mean, they know how to get in there and they know how to, they know how to get in there and work. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, Masterpiece, but I mean, they went in there and the crowd was hot, and then seeing SoCal Crazy in the middle of a, I mean, it was definitely it was definitely different than the Adam Pierce matches that I've seen, but I mean, it was it was definitely something to behold too. So, well, hopefully yeah. the Wrestle Warehouse needs to put those matches out. I know I know that they are in possession of tapes, so they need to put those out. Damn it! You're you know listening, what, Jeff? Uh, I'm sorry to um, to cut you off there, KZ. Uh, sure, if I can add this thing. Uh, one thing that I that, about that match that that I, I hold very dear to my heart is, is the way Ray Mysterio Sr. made me feel. He made me feel like I was part of his family just in that match alone. So I mean, if he's listening, I would like to give him a big thank you for that. He, he made me feel at home, and his encouragement is what kept me going in that match. I mean, to, to be in that ring with Ari Sr. and Ray Mysterio Sr. There's a lot of history between those two guys, and just to be a part of that. What, what was amazing, and, and I'm really, really thankful for uh, for uh, Ray Ray Mysterio to have him pick me uh, to go into that ring again. 
it made me feel like like, like a son, and and I'm really really thankful for that. Mm. Now um, I'm still running down this show. We have a special attraction which should be fun. Um, Mr. Primetime and Mike Modest. Uh, Mike is awesome, and uh, Mr. Primetime is kind of a cross between Scorpio and Low Key. Um, this guy is is Mr. Primetime is really fun to watch, and, and he grabs the crowd. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the four-way with uh, Rick Luxury, who's really underrated, I think, uh, Tito Aquino, who could possibly pass as the uh, illegitimate brother of uh, Ricky Reyes, um, Chimera, who, if you've been under a rock, okay, <laughs> Chimera's good. And my man, SoCal Crazy, Sidereo. World traveler, Chimera. The world traveler. He's going back yeah. to Germany here. Yeah, yeah, you know, Chimera's an awesome competitor. And, you know, at the NWA tapings, I had the uh, the pleasure to meet uh, Tito Aquino. And, uh, we, you know, we, we got talking a little bit in the back, and I can't wait to step in the ring with him. He, Seems like a solid worker, and we we, we should have, that, that floor way should be a lot of fun. Be careful. Watch his forearms. That's all I've got to tell you is watch his forearms. <laughs> and in the <laughs> opener, um, Rock of Love, Billy Blade, and Caden Anthony, which kind of sucks. I'm a little disappointed they couldn't get uh, Gangrel for this show because uh, I think Billy and Gangrel are a better team. But they're taking out cool imagery, Hector Canales and Ricky Mandel. Um Hector yes, and Ricky the SoCal been... Pro tag, tag champs. This whole year, I mean, with the exception of Adam Pierce and yourself, SoCal, um, these two guys have been making a fucking name for themselves. Not just in San Diego, but they're moving out all over. You know, they're just blowing up. You know, hopefully uh, they can do, do some NWA TV stuff and, you know, get on that and... Mandel's you know, been on that. Mandel, Mandel's on the TV. Mandel's one of the. I know, I know. I'm talking about the team. The team, the team, the team, the team. Yes. Yeah, you I know, know. Um, yeah, they got to put those two guys. You know, hopefully they get a chance to uh, to show their stuff. You know, I mean, that they could go up against. And I know that uh, it would be a great match, either with Los Luchas or the Young Bucks. I mean, Hector and Ricky are. I'm not just saying this because they're they're two good friends of mine, but I mean together they're they're just phenomenal. It's a phenomenal tag team. Yep, they're they're they they're something different, and they you know um, Ricky's the white meat baby face, and Hector is I don't know how to put it. He's um, the the Latino with machismo, and they're there kind of is. a. <laughs> A different mix, you know, and it's it's different, you know, and it, it, they click, but it's different, and you know, it's it's not something you see, you know, it's not like and it's not like they're a patchwork team either. I mean, they work, they probably you know hang out outside the ring rather regularly, you know, just to, and you can tell because they have that that type of chemistry, the way that they work together, and <clears throat> and Ricky you know, has like awesome Ballard, hair. You know. Ricky has awesome Ricky does hair. have awesome hair. Awesome here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I like his hair. <laughs> Reminds me of an old Icarus, but <laughs> just flipping Chikara reference, sorry. <laughs> Icarus is, I'm not an Icarus fan at all. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> and it's X-Pac heat, not that, you know, boo, I'm supposed to boo you heat. I, I hate that guy. He's just a prick. He's, he's cocky, he's got a little belly, and he's not as good as he thinks he is. <laughs> Wait, sounds like some other guy on the phone here, Alex. 
Remind me to stay on your good side, KZ. <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest, man. <laughs> I'm just I'm being honest. This guy, he does have a pot belly. He thinks he's better than he is. And, you know, the only reason he's being pushed is because he's from the first graduating class of Mike Quackenbush. That's the only reason he's getting pushed. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a graduating class from uh, New Way Pro Wrestling, and I, I confidently believe that's the only reason I get any matches. <laughs> okay, um, let's let's not mention Akuma the bobblehead. You see that guy walking out the of The thing that's always irritated me about Akuma is he smiles the entire time. The entire <laughs> match, he's constantly smiling. <laughs> I mean, he would be fine, in my opinion. If he wasn't always fucking smiling, why? What the fuck are you like, smiling about? Watch, when you're watch selling, a William Regal match. Smiling? Watch a William Regal match for fuck's sake. Jeez. I mean, you know, SoCal, you know this. You 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 have many body parts. Okay, you have arms, you have legs, you have a stomach, you have a head, you have a face. You use each and every body part in every match. Yeah, right. really short arms and really short legs. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I yeah, 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 they are, but I think they left you black and blue. Who? What? Never. I'm, I'm just saying SoCal Crazy. SoCal Crazy continues the the tradition of lucha libre not only with the mask but by being incredibly short. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, don't forget that I can so. jump high too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you, you mean there 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 won't be a a Barry Windham uh you know little headbutt to the groin fit, uh, spot there? <laughs> You'll be able to leapfrog over him. That's cool. Oh no, yeah, yeah, I'm done. My leapfrogging days are over. <laughs> yeah, you and your bad wheel. How old are you? What, twenty four? Yeah, twenty four now. I'm pretty old. Ah, uh, yeah, you're moving up there, there, veteran. You're grizzled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's oh, he's almost there, almost there. Okay, now I can't get a straight answer from anybody. Where did the lucha go in San Diego? You know that that's a that's, that's a very very interesting question because <laughs> I, I I don't even know where it went, and I was a it part of south. it. <laughs> <laughs> it went south. Yeah, you know, no, what, what happened was um, uh, LLIII, which was running pretty frequently down down in San Diego, uh, was probably the only major lucha libre promotion in this area besides Tijuana. Um, fortunately, I, I guess the owner of that uh, got into some, I don't know if it was financial problems or personal problems. All I know is that he ran his last show and that was it. And, you know, to, to be honest with you, uh, with everything that's going on in Tijuana right now, I mean, I, I, I've heard from a couple of my friends down there that it's very scarce down there also. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the lucha scene just isn't kicking right now, which really, I mean, which really sucks because, I mean, you know, lucha libre, when, when people think San Diego wrestling, not to, not to put um, American wrestling off the charts, but when when they think about San Diego wrestling, you know the first thing that comes to mind is the wrestling. You think about me, punk. <laughs> the motherfucking champ is here. I apologize. I am I am late, very late, and uh, I owe you an apology. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Um, 
I have Alex Sane on the line, and, and I'm not quite sure what to call him. Uh, SoCal Crazy or, oh boy, I'm bad. Um, the red and black or the blue and black guy. I, I get confused. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really lost. But I, I do have to ask you this, SoCal. Um, what name did you use while working the uh, NWA tapings? Um, early, um, I uh, used the November. name Sidereal. Sidereal? Sidereal. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Sidereal Sito. If you want to be able to tell which one's SoCal Crazy or which one's Sidereal, it's always the shortest man in the ring. Um, just, just to let you know, Champ, we have not been burying you. So, I don't we've been burying the little guy. <laughs> Go ahead and bury me, bro. I got a shovel. I dig myself out. I always do. There you go. Is it red? And was it used to hit Bill Watts in 1987? I love Bill Watts for the record, and would never hit Bill Watts ever. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're, you're, you're a baby back. face in my heart. So, all right, Alex, you're on the phone with the. Uh, the rightful owner of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship belt, uh, Mr. Adam Pierce. You have a question for Adam. Um, actually, he's not the champion anymore. It's Blue Demon, but... Rightful. Um, excuse me, rightful. excuse me, excuse rightful. me. You said the rightful champion, Alex Saint. Do rightful. your research, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Now, my, my question was this. Like like you were just saying, you're the rightful owner of the NWA World Champion, and then not not too recently you actually have possession of the belt. And then you also work for an East Coast company that... Uh, Ring of Honor, which is uh, one of the bigger companies on the East Coast, and they have a predefined world champion, which is that Nigel McGinnis. And so this is actually a two-part question. I was wondering how you would compare you as world champion to that of Nigel McGinnis as world champion, and what do you think about Nigel McGinnis? Love Nigel McGinnis. I think Nigel McGinnis is one of the best wrestlers of our era. Um, <clears throat> he gets it. He gets it. He can go 100 miles an hour. He can go 10 miles an hour. He can talk. He can work to people. Uh, he is uh, a hell of a cards, tricks, men, magic type things at the bar with the chicks. And uh, he has one hell of an English accent, as you may or may not be aware. Um, as a champion, I think that his run in Ring of Honor for shit going on a year or maybe over a year now, if I could be wrong, has, has probably been one of the... Uh, the the most stable parts of Ring of Honor, as uh, things have have uh, been shaky over the last six to eight months, and uh, like I said, I mean you can't really you can't really get higher than uh, to say that you think is one of the best workers of the era, and I really do. I think him, Brian Danielson, set the tone. Austin Aries along with him in Ring of Honor, and uh, they definitely know how to get the job done. And the people who spend their fifteen, twenty, twenty five bucks always get their money's worth with with him. And uh, I think he's a credit to the wrestling business. And I've been very happy and privileged to have shared the ring with him. As what far as comparison, go, go ahead. I was wondering what your thoughts were on, uh, I think, the guy that's definitely rated to, uh, I, I hate using terms like breakout, but there's uh, definitely been a, a res, uh, whatever term you want to use, but Tyler Black has really been the guy that everyone's been talking about in 2008 in Ring of Honor. And I was wondering what you thought of the maturation of uh, Tyler Black since you've been working for Ring of Honor. I think Tyler Black has, uh, in a short period of time, gone from someone who um, was known more for moves, you know, uh, how, how, how do you put it? He was known more for flash than substance, 
And uh, like any professional wrestler, if you put them in the right setting with the right people, uh, you're going to see that person begin to learn things and see things from a different perspective. Tyler's one of those guys that I think within the next 12 months, uh, I'd actually be surprised if he wasn't offered some kind of deal. Talking about a kid who looks like a million bucks, uh, gets it, and uh, is only getting better. You can you can actually see Tyler grow as as a worker in the Brian Danielson match that was on pay per view a few mm-hmm. shows ago. You can see him actually growing from the beginning to the end of the match. And since that match, he's just been blown blow away. Yeah. Another match I'd like to throw out there is a match Tyler Black did out here in California, uh, the 2007 Bobo Tournament, Hola. where uh, it was uh, it was about 105 degrees outside and about 110 inside. You know, you know all those classic heat stories. But I mean, I know I was drenched with sweat, and I saw Tyler and Alex go about 20 minutes, and I mean they were wrestling you know, that real fast-paced style, and you could really see Tyler. You know, I mean, because Tyler Black at that time, you know, was a relative. You know, this is before he had all the Ring of Honor hype. And, I mean, for the most part, you know, he was just a relative, you know, Midwest guy. And for him to go in there with Alex Shelley, you know, with all his credentials and go in there and go 20 with him, I mean, and in the heat. And, I mean, he, he told me after the match, he was saying, you know, I was I was blown up and I never get blown up. But I looked at Alex Shelley and he was blown up too, so I knew I couldn't have been doing that bad. But, I mean, they went out there and they brought it in that match too. All right. Okay, let's. Uh, how, how is Jerry Lynn now that Jerry Lynn's been popping up on a lot more Ring of Honor shows? What has Jerry Lynn contributed not only to the the guys in the back but also in the ring? That's a good question. Okay, who's on? I think. Yep, we lost the champ. <clears throat> Are you still on, Alex? Yes, I'm still here. So, okay, so Cal, you still there, brother? I'm still here. Okay, yeah, we lost the champ. He'll uh, he'll call back. He must have hit a dead spot or pulled into a gas station or something, or maybe in and out burger. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that that's where I'm going in a few minutes. So, well, Jerry Lynn, I mean, definitely, he's been a. I'll answer my own question. I mean, I want to know, you know, from you know someone who worked in Ring of Honor, but I mean, you look at Lynn, and I mean, he's definitely. I mean, he's you know the Randy Couture of wrestling. You know, if you want to make that comparison, he's a older gentleman who's been around. And, I mean, he can still go and teach, you know, all the young guys about, you know, how how to go in there and wrestle, you know. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. And I'm happy that uh, he's definitely seen a resurgence of late. Him and Two Cold Scorpio, I'm happy for those guys. Two Cold Scorpio is on a different level. That that cat is on a complete different level. And, yeah, oh my God, I, I can't say enough about uh, Two Cold but uh, yeah, you know I, I, would, I would have to agree with that. Uh, two two Cold Scorpio is just uh, an amazing, amazing worker. I mean, every time I see even old footage of his, it's it's it's, it's like I'm seeing something new for the first time. Well, when he since he's added the the quote unquote strong style to you know since his putting in time in Noah, I think uh, you know that kind of got him you know to extend his career as opposed to being just you know more of a flyer. Um, the matches he had with Eddie Kingston, uh, Sammy Callahan, um, just up and down the low-key match. I mean, just really good stuff. Um, and I'd like to uh, thank Adam Pierce for calling in for just a few minutes. He had to uh, had to dip out for personal reasons. So, 
thanks for a few minutes there, champ. But uh, now, uh, SoCal, um, any guys that uh, you would like to work with up here in Northern California that, that you've heard a buzz about? Uh, well, you know, definitely, I, I definitely want to work Oliver John. I can't say enough about the guy. Uh, that's one guy that I that I want to work um, from the northern side. And um, also, there, there was a young cat who came, and I believe you you were the one who recommended him, uh, Brandon Bonham, Bonham. If I'm getting yep. his name right, the new guy. Uh, <laughs> the, the new guy. Yeah, um, yeah I was good. able to see his match when he he did the SoCal Pro. Uh, uh, event and he, he's he's another guy who, who I really dug his style in the ring and I think uh, with an opportunity we we could put something great to, uh, together. He's my dark horse pick for for uh, Breakout Star next year. Um, he's just really he's doing exceptionally well for Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and you know he's pretty much working down south. I mean he's not booked anywhere up here. Uh, because he he lives in between, he lives uh, outside Monterey, so he's you know right in the middle, so he's able to go south or north, and I guess he's taking more bookings down south as opposed to working up here. So it's that's a shame, but you know uh, good you know good wishes to Brandon, man. He's 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 a great talent, and um, you guys will be seeing more of him down there. Um, I have the feeling he's going to pack up and and move down there. I, I just have that feeling. Um, because uh, I don't know. I, I just I think he wants to be closer to Gorilla and you know work more of the uh, art shows and whatnot and right. you know, a lot of the the more local stuff. Um, now <clears throat> let me ask you this, SoCal. Um, do you do you prefer? Okay, I know you love being in the ring. I mean that that's a given. You just love being between the ropes. But would you prefer? an American style as opposed to a lucha style match. Um, you know what? Like that that's actually a, a <laughs> pretty difficult question to answer, but um I mean if I had to pick with, one of the two with, with with the lucha crowd and with the US indie crowd. That <laughs> that'll be you know a, a little more clear. No, I I would I would probably have to have to stick with my roots and go with lucha. Uh, the the only reason is because I I I I'm so used to that style, and and I and till this day I'm still being trained by one of the best uh, in, in Pandillero, uh, 20 plus year veteran, uh, in in the lucha style. I mean, you you know, you never stop learning. So so I, I would ha- I would have to say that I would uh, I would have to stick with the lucha libre style. I mean, just just because it's it's just uh, well it's now just it's awesome so evolved. Style. It's so evolved now. Right, you look right. at the Ray Bocanero, Ultimo Guerrero, those guys are the prototypical luchadors. I mean, they right, could do exactly. any style. You know, and, 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 and honestly, I in you know in in a couple of years, I, I think that's uh, that, that's how it's going to be. I mean, lucha libre. It's like you said, even now, lucha libre has has you know you you could tell that they throw in uh, Japanese style, they throw in American style. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just evolving so so much, but it still has that lucha libre root to it. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. And and you know, honestly, and then that's I mean, yeah, guys like Ray Bucanero, and which um, you know I've had uh, the opportunity to be in the ring with. Um, it's just to to see him work and to see his style, and you know, kind of compare my style with his. 
Um, I, I could kind of see what you know how 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 he uses the lucha libre, but he how he also throws like the American, how he also throws the Japanese. So, well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the 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 lines are being blurred, um, but I think that you know the things need to evolve. Like AAA, you know, they they do the quote unquote entertainment stuff, but then they also have the workhorses. Um, we talked about this earlier. Uh, yeah, they do have the workers, and then they have the comedy, then the exoticos and the minis. I think that is what's going to work because, you know, the the same old same old from CMLL is not working anymore. They're not drawing, right. and something's going to have to happen. They're going to have to mix things up somehow. And uh, but I really don't see it happening. Um, you know, with these old, you know, the quote unquote old guard, I don't see it happening. But you know, we'll we'll see what the. Uh, 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 Aguayo Cito's, you know, uh, <clears throat> Paraguayo Junior's new promotion, the Paro, uh, Los Perros del Mall, that's going to be fun. That's different. You know, I mean, yeah, they, they're bringing in different guys. Right. That, that, that's that's something that um, I think is going to light a, a spark in, in, in Mexico um, as in uh, new companies go. Uh, there's a lot of hype uh, behind, behind Perro Aguayo, or Hijo de Perro Aguayo's uh, promotion in you know, I mean, even for us, you know, I, I, you know, living in the U.S. and we, I mean, I even hear about it. So um, that's something that ho- hopefully uh, will spark uh, Lucha Libre again. And not, I mean, not only for San Diego, not only for Tijuana, but you know, for the rest of Mexico. Well, hopefully they they go up. Say if they're going to be able to carry Triple A now that Cibernetico's gone. No, Banderas is overrated. <clears throat> He's overrated. But, you know, whatever. I don't watch AAA for the main event programs anyway. I watch it for the tag team division. Joe Leader and uh, Nicho. Money for me, brother. So, but uh, we're going to wrap up, guys. Uh, we're a little past the two-hour stream, so um, I'll do it for you, Alex. MySpace.com backslash Saint. And if any fans would like to contact you, Mr. Crazy, how could they go about doing it? Uh, well, they can bother you. <laughs> <laughs> they can bother me. There you go. Hit me up, myspace.com backslash radio, and I will forward all messages to Mr. Crazy. Awesome, brother. Thanks for having you on, and I will see you on the 17th of January. Uh, definitely. Uh, definitely can't wait, and you know, hopefully uh, if people are hearing this, come on out, and I guarantee you that I'll... Uh, uh, more than what your buck, than what your buck is worth. I mean, I'll put on a show for you. Hey, dude, you're uh, not let alone the ticket price, but also the price of gas. Well worth, well worth driving <laughs> out, taking Bart, take fucking Muni, do what you have to do to go to this show. You have to see SoCal in the ring. Um, not to mention Chimera, the other San Diego guys, Oliver Johns on the card, uh, Mike Modest. Uh, what more can I say? Oh, those Mysterio guys too. That's right. Oh, yeah. They're on top. Yeah. Don't <laughs> so, forget about them. And it, it's not them. It's it's something different. They're not working the Border Patrol. So it's actually going to be straight lucha, which is going to be really fun. So it's going to be something different. Um, but that'll do it. Thanks for coming on SoCal. It was my pleasure. We will talk to you guys next week.